Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a new episode of The X Button, Season 3, Episode 33. I'm one of your hosts, and with me is one of the many variants of Sid. Paul, hey, everybody. I hate everyone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you're, you're, you're I, only... I'm an ancient 30-year-old. Yeah, you're only you're only missing the cigarette or whatever he has in his in his mouth. It's definitely a cigarette, I tell you. Yeah. <laughs> How you doing, Paul? I'm doing all right. Uh, this is finally the end of the drought. Yeah. Quote unquote drought. Uh, That's the thing. It, it has to be a drought. Yeah. yeah. Um, there... It's just the fact that some of the games haven't really hit the way they needed to. That, yeah. That's the thing. Like it's. We haven't hit a drought, like not even close. No, but, not a real one. That's that's what I was going to clarify on. Yeah, but with a little bit of irony as well. It's like yeah, it's a drought. It's like oh no, you had two releases already. Yeah, anyway. it was more. It's, it's more like it's a drought of like super incredible games that we can't stop playing. I think that's that is more what it is. But when it comes to actual releases, my god, it's like we can't even dare mention a drought at this at this point. Oh, yeah. But. But yeah, like, can you believe like August is technically over? By the time that we record next week, it's September. It's it's nuts. I think. Um, no. Oh it's no, yeah, no. Gonna it's gonna be, gonna be yeah, it's gonna be the last day. Ooh, yeah, it's a that's so nuts. And, and then the day after, it's like where and certain early access for a certain game starts. <laughs> so, but here's what's so funny: we're gonna be able to record by the time the embargo for Starfield lifts. So we'll know. That's going to be a like, good little talking point there. Yeah, yeah, we'll know, and we already heard some things that we're not going to mention here. So oh. the, the beauty of having people connected in the industry to actually have the game. So, but, but yeah, so I can't believe that August is almost done. Like this is my second episode as a thirty-year-old. It still feels weird thinking that I'm thirty. I don't feel like it yet. So it's it's going to hit like in about three or four months, I think. Uh, at least that it took Probably. me that amount to like six months because I, it takes me longer to understand things mm -hmm. um, to understand it. But just that like shoots confetti, the mm -hmm. grunt birthday party. Yay. Uh -huh. comes out and it's <laughs> like, oh, so this is it. Um, and it's it's a little underwhelming, frankly. Yeah. I mean, it, it, that, that's I'm glad it's just been kind of uneventful. The good thing is that I've been feeling good, like actually like health wise i'm feeling much better because i've just been like going on walks and all that and then now suddenly like a tiny pain that i have been like sort of feeling like for a little bit has just disappeared and i was like oh cool this is what it felt like not to feel that tiny pain there <laughs> so uh so it's been good like I, I love getting the you know if you have well you don't have an iphone but the iphone that gives you like the walking circles and today i was like yeah you completed yeah. your your calorie count circle today i was like yeah that's awesome so so yeah this chilling enjoying the rest of this month as we now go into the fall releases i just cannot wait but uh be, but until that happens we're just gonna keep trucking along because this is the x bottom podcast our gaming podcast that posts every fridays from 2 p.m onwards god willing available on the youtube channel escape gaming as well as most audio services around the world apple Podcasts, spotify and the like you can find links in the rss feed at tinyurl.com escape gaming if you enjoy our show give us a like and subscribe so I'm going to start us off with the games because I definitely played a little bit more and we had tiny overlap uh, because I've been, I think we talked about it last week. We were like in this schizophrenia mode of like, we're just like touching a game and uh, yep. jumping into another, then jumping into another, then jumping into another. I kind of did that with like some of the older games. I kind of mentioned, I think it was last week that I showed that I got the Amazing Spider-Man, the first Amazing Spider-Man game 
on PS3 that I finally found it in the marketplace. I I finally went and beat it. Uh, it was still a pretty fun game, like all things considered. I still my uh, my issues with it stand in even more contrast because uh, I actually played the second game almost immediately after a game that's considered much worse. And mm-hmm. playing both of these games back to back. I think they're more close in quality than people actually give them credit for. It's just one came out on PS3, the other one came on PS4, so uh, expectations were different. And also, I think that game was even buggier the second game, like right at launch when I played it, it was not buggy at all. I remember hearing a lot about it. Yeah, uh, it just felt rushed. But when I played it, I was like, yeah, this is fine. This is solid. It has like, like for example, like my big problem with Amazing Spider-Man 1, especially binging it like I did, level variety in that game is non-existent. It's either you're in the sewers or you're in Oscorp. That's literally all the levels. Uh, in the second game, there's actual level variety. There's like different environments that you go, you fight different villains. Like the villains you fight in the Amazing Spider-Man 1 is just Scorpion, Rhino, and the Lizard, and Alistair's Smythe. That's, like, that's, that's just everything. And then in the second game, you fight the Kingpin, you fight Green Goblin, Harry Osborn, Green Goblin, you fight uh, you fight the Shocker, you fight Craven the Hunter, which is so funny because we're going to get a Craven, Craven the Hunter game later this year. Uh, and even you fight against, uh, you, you fight Electro, and then you also fight Carnage. And the levels are so much shorter also in the second game. Like in the first game, there were, there were some levels I was like, damn, this is kind of long. It's like, these levels are kind of like uh, outstaying their welcome. And uh, the one thing that the first game does much better than the second game is stealth. In the first game, you can like be in the ceiling and just like pick every enemy like from everywhere. It's, so, it's actually so funny that you can like stealth your way through that game. In the second game, the stealth was nerfed. Like you actually have to get much closer to enemies to, like, to, to do that. Combat is literally the same. And web swinging, I would say it's better in the second game because the first game had that web swinging that is swinging is swinging from the sky. Like even though yeah. even though you still had to be like close to a building to do the animation, but it felt like the your web was like going through the sky. And this one, you actually have to be beneath a beneath a build, building. And this is the only Spider-Man game where to swing you have to do both triggers. Like if you want to swing to your right, press R two. If you want to swing to the left, press L two. And it's, it was an interesting quirk that, obviously, that wasn't continued once Insomniac did it theirs. They went back to more traditional. You just web swing with one. And uh, that's, like, one of the only interesting things about Amazing Spider-Man 2. And kind of what I was telling you was that there was a really equally fun game in the second game that then just absolutely falls apart in those last five chapters because this absolutely felt like a game they were working on the side. And then they were like, no, you're going to make it a movie game. And then they just attacked on Green Goblin and... Uh, and Electra, like, out of nowhere. And then they were like, oh yeah, but that doesn't feel like a nice ending point. Let's make the ending of this game Carnage. Even though there's no Venom here, we're just jumping straight to Carnage. And then just the game just ends. So I was like, yeah, the game is not as bad as people say, but it's definitely not a great Spider-Man game either. But I don't think the first one is either. It's just back in 2012, that was one of the better ones in that really dark period of Spider-Man games. So it's just like, it's just basically relativity. So uh, I was glad that I uh, I was hankering because I was playing those old ones and I just wanted to play all the Vinox games again before uh, retaking my playthrough of the 2018 one. At least I don't have the badge of like, I wish I could finish that one before jumping into this one because you know me that I like working my my way backward forward, not forward backward. Because yeah. it's uh, because working forward backwards it just ensures that you're just not gonna enjoy working your, making your way backwards because yeah, of you're quality just quality of life back yeah. and back yeah so and then I got lucky again 
I got Transformers War for Cybertron. <laughs> a sealed copy of the game on PS3. I found it for 35 bucks in a random store on Sunday. And I was like, I'm liking this energy. Like, it took me so long to find Amazing Spider-Man. I found it. And then suddenly, after, after I've been scrounging the earth for this one. I, I got it. And the fact that it was a sealed copy was insane to, to think that 13 years that thing had remained. Someone had it. And how little people cared about <laughs> that game, like, relative, like, that it was able to remain on sealed copy here. But... I know, right? Yeah, so... I played, like, the first chapter of that game. The thing is that uh, I had played it in the computer. Because remember, I got, a, like, a, a computer version, uh, like, a, mm -hmm. like, a couple of months ago. The yeah. thing is that I hate PC gaming, Paul. I just hate it. Like, if I have to play PC, like, it means that I have to be in the seat and play it in, like, this tiny screen when I could be playing it in my big screen. But then it means if you want to play it on a big screen, I have to take out a very long HDMI cable, connect it to my... To my, to my computer, but then I have to get my my uh, my Wi-Fi uh, mouse to try to like if I want to do some changes because sometimes you cannot do changes with a controller to to switch to switch some things. It's just too much of a hassle that I was like, I would rather just play like the normal, even if it's I'm technically playing a worse version because the remember people PS3 back in the day was not the best platform to play multi-platform games compared to the 360. 360 was the way to go. PS3 was the way to go for exclusives. And the random third-party game here and there, like Dead Space 2 was better to play on PS3 because it came in one disc. The, both, both games look exactly the same on 360. It was two discs. Uh, Final Fantasy 13, the game looked better on PS3. On 360, it came in three discs, and it was blurrier. So, which ironic that right now the modern way to play Final Fantasy 13 is actually on Xbox because that game got a resolution patch because of Microsoft. So, it's so funny to think that. But yeah, Transformers World of Cybertron Paul is like, it's so much fun. It's such a fun shooter. Like, even though it's not cover-based, it's like, it's so unapologetically fun. And like, I really love, like, the character models that are so... That are modeled by and the G1, like, original Transformers cartoon. Like, if you watch the Transformers movie from 1986, with the legendary death of Optimus Prime, and, uh, and the, you got the touch song... It's like those character models are from this game are, are literally in this game. Uh, one of the things that I would say doesn't really hold up is the visual variety, Paul. It's a very I wouldn't call it ugly, but my god, the environment the, the, the like the, the the environment variety of that Transformers game is like gets boring real quick. Really, because it's like yeah. all this metal and all that. They actually fixed that for Fall for Cybertron. They actually added more lush scenery in in, in, in some places and a little bit more color because that was like one of the bigger uh like bigger complaints of the original game, but I tell you, remember when we heard about Hasbro actively saying like, "Hey, those those uh, those Transformers game that we put out, the War for Cybertron or Full for Cybertron, we will love them for be to, for them to be on Game Pass, especially because Microsoft is gonna own Activision." It's like this these seems like games that would work for that system. Like we definitely want to work on work on those. I hope it happens. And when that happens, I hope that they turn the servers back on because this campaign poll can be completed entirely in co-op. That's the beauty of that first War for Cybertron game. Like if you had a friend like to play online, you could play like you pick one of the three Transformers, depending if you're playing Decepticons or the Autobots. I'm right now playing the Decepticons right. because I'm doing the order, even though you can like start with the with the with the with the Autobots if you want, even though that's like chapter six. At least they give you the option if you don't want to like start like 
playing as Decepticons is basically prequel, and then to play as Optimus Prime, like Bumblebee and them is like, that's chapter six, but you can start immediately if you want, if you want to start playing with the good guys. It had that level of flexibility, but uh, the servers have been turned off. Like, even on a PS3, like, I try to be like, I wonder if anyone's randomly play, but he's like, yeah, the servers are, like, not available. I was like, yeah, that f- I figured they turned right. those off. Yeah. But I believe that, especially now, with, if, once that Activision thing goes through, like, if they're able to work things out to bring those games back uh, to a willing party, because the problem the problem with license, uh, with license products sometimes is that the willing party doesn't want to play, like, or... They don't want to do terms for something, or for example, do you remember this game called Fifty Cent Blood in the Sand? There was like yep. a fifty, yeah, so, <laughs> which was basically Fifty Cent uh, Years of War game. Uh, that game is a licensing nightmare because of the music. Uh, that Ooh. game, uh, that game uh, cannot be played backwards compatibility digitally, but if you have the disc, they were able to work out uh, a licensing deal with like the wow. the, the, the game developer. To be able to like enable that game to be played on current Xbox. So if you have the disc, you're like lucky. If you didn't, I'm sorry. <laughs> like it's uh, uh, people were thinking maybe that's how they could make this uh, Transformers game work. To be like, yeah, if you still have the disc, you'll be able to play it and all that. But since Hasbro, which has the license, is the one actively saying we want this to happen, maybe that could be different. So let's just cross fingers because these are awesome games. That tra- these Transformers games are awesome. After the uh, Arkham Asylum in that generation, I think these were the best licensed games around in, in, in that era. So Yeah. And I so picked yeah. it up on a whim. Wait, what year did War for Cybertron come out? 2010. Okay, so that was a year after... Yeah, because Arkham Asylum was 2009, wasn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, that was the same year as Borderlands 1. Yeah, that was... Mm-hmm. Even though that was like on the back end of the crazy golden year insanity uh-huh. that was 2007, I think it was. Uh-huh. Um, it was still such a crazy time where you could just make this really, like, in theory, derivative third-person mm-hmm. Gears of War ripoff. Yeah. Just add Transformers. But the and fact it that worked. it was just really <laughs> solid. Yeah. And you are right that, like, War for Cybertron gets really old with its environmental assets. Mm-hmm. It's like just, all right, you're in another metal-encased mm-hmm. zone. Lots of yeah. geometry. Lots of blurry everything. But a few things glow. All right. Mm-hmm. And it actually breaks my heart to admit that I never actually played Fall of Cybertron. You never played the sequel? No! I I never did. I, for some reason, I ended up not getting it until way later on. I mean, no, I still don't own it. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't have the opportunity to buy it until later after its release, and by then I was playing so many other games. Yeah. Uh, my mind had been transformed in 2011 <laughs> uh-huh. by everything else that had come out, and I was yeah. like, "Well, I don't want to go back to it." I'll, and the I'll thing, get it the someday. thing is, uh, the thing is, a Fall of Cybertron came out in 2012 because it right. came out two years I later. Just, after that, after 2011, for some reason, like something changed in my brain. Mm-hmm. After playing games like Skyrim and whatever else came out in 2011, mm-hmm. 2011 um, is a massive year. Yeah, the original oh, Dark Souls, yeah. Uncharted um, 3, Gears of War 3, Halo Anniversary Collection, Rage. Oh, uh, it's like if 2011 was insane, I will never forget yeah. that year as long as I live. It's like that was out of, like one of the most insane like final years of a console. So like it just I, in volume I think alone. That was why because I was buying so many other games and I was like, oh, so this is what it really means that like play a good game because mm-hmm. before that i was still just 
kind of buying whatever looked uh-huh. cool on the cover, whatever. Didn't even look up reviews. Yeah. Um, What's so funny is that there's so many analogs in 2023 to 2011 in some ways. Like Skyrim came out in 2011. Starfield comes out in 2023. The Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword came out in 2011. Tears of the Kingdom came out oh this year. Gosh. Modern Warfare 3 2011 this year modern warfare 3 also so it's like it's, it's so funny to th- to, oh. to really think about like uh that some of the analogs to that but uh fall for cybertron i never bought at launch because that was the uh the month it came out on august 2012 was when i moved to college and that entire semester i had no consoles like that was my first like semester where i, I went away from home i didn't bring a console with me because i was going to go study uh, then I started making like, I, but I started working that semester to make some money, and then I got a console, a ninety-nine dollar Xbox three hundred and sixty, one of those like weird deals that Microsoft was doing late in that generation, uh, until my second semester. But Fall for Cybertron like completely skipped me. Uh, I had heard great things, just equally great things as as War for Cybertron. They did eliminate co-op, campaign co-op though, uh, because they made the campaign more uh, more scripted, more like tailored to. A specific transformer and they also added the dinobots so there was going to be like some sections where you played as dinobots and these sections were like more wide open because you could transfer into the big dinosaur and all of that so and it was like more linear how you did because in this one I, again kind of like i mentioned it's like do you get the two campaigns like right out of the bat do you want to start with the decepticons do you want to start immediately with the autobots that doesn't happen with fall for cybertron it's more like the game automatically switches you back and forth in specific story moments so the problem with doing that is that you only get to play as Optimus Prime and Megatron at the end. So in this one, you can play almost all the levels with them. So, but it made the game a little bit less uh, monotonous than the original, at the very least. Uh, and it still had Escalation, which was basically Horde Mode and the multiplayer. But at that point, uh, I actually got it on PS4 because they randomly re-released it in 2016 digitally. So I bought it then uh, alongside the Marvel Ultimate Alliance 1 and 2 and Deadpool games that Activision randomly decided to list for the PS4. And obviously they delisted now, but I still own them, thankfully. So, but it was always like me. I let go of my original War for Cybertron disc back in 2016 because I needed money to pay for my work permit. And I sold the PS3 that I had randomly bought in 2013. It was one of those, remember the top loader PS3? It was like one that is like the new Slim that yeah. had like a thing yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that the slider. I bought one of those in hmm. July 3rd, 2013. My own PS3 because my brother had our collective one back home, but I wanted a PS3. So uh, I that sold was the that last one. model they made, wasn't it? Yeah, this is the last one and the okay, last yeah. one you can get. So it was so practical. It was so small. Uh, the top loader was cheap AF though. It was like mm. so uh, the Slim, the, 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 the second model of the PS3 was the best one. Like, that's the one that I got. Yeah, that's the one I have here still. So the one that I still have to plug in, because so some games are still there that, until I hear otherwise, like they're gonna be ported over. Like I'm gonna keep that thing plugged in. But yeah, the, uh, it's so sad that these were the last games that Hyman Studios make made like as a game. That and Deadpool, they their last ever game they made was Deadpool, the 2013 Deadpool game. Mm-hmm. Uh, that literally that literally played like the Transformers games. It had the exact same gunplay. It had the exact same camera. It had the humor of Nolan North doing uh, uh, the uh, <laughs> doing the. I watched w- a w- lot of clips of that game, that but I hilarious. never had a desire to actually buy it myself. <laughs> yeah, it, I tell you, it was super fun. Ending sucked, sucked ass. It was like one. It's one of those. Uh, 
Raven speak slash Remnant 2 style like horrifically frustrating final moments that soured the package, but that was the last game that maybe for Activision decided to make them like Call of Duty slaves. And like slave away at like doing support at all these things. And eventually they also worked on uh, Destiny content for Destiny 2, like High Moon actually really? worked a I lot on I forgot the... about that. Yeah, like before the split, the Activision and Bungie split, uh, High Moon they attribute a lot of the Forsaken campaign to High Moon, so, huh. which it's so funny because we got to, we got to play one of those missions again this week. We're gonna talk about Destiny two a little later. Yeah. Um. But yeah, Transformers is really good. But the best thing that I I would say I played this week was because I finally slayed a unicorn for me, a gaming unicorn I for many years, and I never knew if I was gonna be able to beat it because. Time passed me by. I didn't know if I was going to do a turn-based game, but this year turn-based has turned a corner for me. I beat Final Fantasy VII. Like, completely. I lapped you. I lapped Jung Yu. Congratulations. Yes. <laughs> and done it. it pains me to think that you were so close. You were that close to beating it. Yeah, it's like, it's so dumb that... Can you at least understand, though, the fact that they gave you no direction out of that? Just said... Yes, they just literally the said... Yeah, where the sun doesn't shine. Where does the sun doesn't shine? The ocean. So yeah, that, <laughs> like in hindsight, sure, but yeah. like you could you could go metaphorical. You could say, uh, "Well, there's yeah. caves." I don't know. You have the entire world that you've just traveled. Uh, yeah, like, there's no way. Yeah, and the funny thing is that me out of a whim, I was like, me because I thought, okay, they gave me this ocean mechanic because you get the sub like eventually that you can use to travel. But it's like, why would you travel with the sub when you have the high wind? So. But then I can think, it's like, they have this mechanic and they, they train me to use this stuff for a reason. So let's see. And I went down there and I started exploring and I randomly found that key. And that was it. So, so it was so, it was so funny. Like, I didn't do most, uh, many, I didn't have to use as a guide as much with Final Fantasy VII as I did with six and four, uh, Because obviously they were older, but I think I got the logic of this game a little bit more. Though a guide... Prevent, not using a guide prevented me from seeing a pivotal cutscene that I didn't think was there until you yeah. told me. I was like, wait, that's skippable? That's insane that this is skippable. But also kind of cool that it's like a, thi- a hidden thing. Because the game doesn't at all tell you. Be like, oh yeah, now that your memories are back, go back to the Shinra Mansion. So, uh, and the only way that that could happen is if for some reason you didn't get Vince Valentine. Because you can get Vince Valentine immediately uh, right. As you can, but I can't imagine a scenario because to get Vince Valentine, you have to beat a really hard boss after you do like a save, uh, l- l- like a save, um, like puzzle. And you can find that immediately when you go to Nivelheim again, like on the present, or if eventually you figure it out, you go back. Maybe that's the only time that you could like stumble upon that. But I got Vincent immediately. And I looked at, I looked up how to get Vince Valentine. That's one of the few things that I just want to get that. And how do you get oh, Yuffie? Yeah. And with Yuffie, that you have to find, yeah. you have to find Yuffie. Yuffie and, uh, is a freaking nightmare of a human yeah. being, I tell you. I but am... she's an she's an amazing. Uh, I hate her so part, much. <laughs> but she's an amazing party member. Like, I hate her side usefulness. Quest. Yes, yeah. yes, I will agree to that. Yeah, um, but her her the... side quest is the worst. That she steals all your materia, and you have to play hide and seek and will die. So I was like, now nah, I'm gonna use a guide for this because I need to speed through this. Like this is annoying. Because I went there because I was like, I visited everywhere in the map, but I'm seeing the map has this dot over here. Let me go visit there. I want to see. And then I saw, I was like, oh, crap. It's the, it's the, and I didn't have a save. Like, 
I didn't save oh, right before, no. so I was like, ah, because to it. <laughs> so I committed to that, so I, I did it quickly. However, it led to the moment where you actually kill Don uh, Don Corneo, so uh, the the dude that you threatened to castrate at the <laughs> at the beginning of the game. I don't even remember most of that. I just remember hating that part with Yuffie so much. Yeah. So I don't know if I managed to avoid the side quest entirely, or yeah. I did it and just blocked it out of my memory. The, th the thing with Yuffie is that Yuffie is the most, it's like absolutely optional. Like, you can only find Yuffie if you're like in the, in, in by the she's reactor. She's like a that, random encounter. Yeah, she's a random encounter in the forests near the reactor that has the big phoenix at the top. The one that I mentioned yeah. last week about the tower defense minigame. Like, you can only find her if you randomly like start like circling around in the forests. And then when you beat her, you have to like talk to her and you have to say some specific things in a specific order for her to join you. So yep. I used to, if I, you I, don't, she'll, uh, she'll just she'll go away. act like she's going to join your team. There's one of them. She'll act like she joins your team and, she and then steals she something. disappears and she yeah. steals stuff from you. Yeah. I was so. like, I'm so, I hate this because <laughs> I didn't re look it up until after that had uh, happened yeah. or like the details of it. And I was just, mm. yeah. young Paul was not happy. Yeah, but she's such a great like. That, what's funny is that she's so annoying, but as like, her usefulness, like her, her limit breaks are super cool. And she's like the only ninja in your team, and ninjas are really cool in like Final Fantasy. It just happens to be Yuffie. And what's so funny is that everyone universally hates her, and they love her in Intergrade, because everyone when they announced Intergrade she was gonna be playable, everyone was like, of all characters that you're doing an expansion, why are you using Yuffie? And then people play Intergrade and they're like, oh crap, they made her great. That's what I've been telling that, that now I can't wait to play like and actually see it for myself. But uh, yeah, I had said before, sure. yes, like last last week I said uh, I, I prefer Final Fantasy 6 and 4 over this game. After finishing it, I prefer 7 over 4. I still prefer 6. But 7 has such 6 energy in so much of it that... You saying that this game picks in Midgar, I harshly disagree that this game picks in Midgar. Like the best things of the of this game, like in story moments and all that happened in that middle to late section. Uh I think it me, just goes to show my liking of aesthetic is very much on the city side of it. And I am not a fan I, of like the yeah, I can village yeah, thing. Yeah, I can see aesthetically the game peaking early on. But like to me, like that I like a grand adventure with so much variety. Knowing that you had this grand adventure on top of like the cyberpunkian Midgar, that added extra flavor to this game, and I really enjoy that. But just a story moment, like just story moments alone, this game ramps so beautifully. And but to me, the game really clicked when I finally stopped playing as Cloud. Like when he has the big moment. Like for spoiler alert for people that never played the original one, it's like eventually there's like a big reveal, the moment where the villain quote unquote wins. The Kafka moment, how I like how I like yeah. calling, uh, where it's like you reveal that you get the reveal that Cloud is like a a clone of Sephiroth was made like in a lab by Hojo and all of that, and then and that explains kind of like why he's been having like this mental breakdowns like early in the game and and, and all of that, and then he goes on, like he he gets lost in a coma, and then you start playing as the entire team afterwards, and yeah. that to me was like this is Final Fantasy to me, like what I love because. It's like not just centered on like one character, but everyone like equally playing an important part. And especially like you start as Tifa and then eventually like it segments out to uh, to Barrett and then settling on Sid. 
Ran like yeah, and the, the the funny thing is that Sid for me was like I got him, but I didn't put him in the in the uh, in the what you call it uh, in my team at all like because the, I was like oh yeah 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 because by I was that like point you have I recruited like, you only have three people uh -huh. to choose from and you've already got like your rotation usually because yeah. that was my issue as well mm -hmm. yeah because it was like I got because I got Vincent early Vincent is OP. Like Vincent reminds me a lot of like His this like break is nuts. Yeah, he he becomes like a big demon that like throws like yeah. this grenades and like automatically and you don't have to, to even worry about giving him commands. You just like let him do his thing. Uh, so as so I was like, yeah, I'm keeping Vincent and I always had Tifa most of the time because I really like Tifa. Like I really like her limit break with the with the double punch and the somersault uh, because it was so it, it was very easy to like command and. I just kind of wanted to just keep that relationship between like Cloud and Tifa like close because I just felt that they were meant to be together, which is so funny. I I sent you screenshot. It was like they have the Clive and Jill moment near the end of the game, hey, like yo. under the stars. It's so funny. So it was like, huh? It's a it's like that was even a reference to this. So cute and funny. Uh, and Tifa like best girl. She was she really stands by Cloud during his coma time. Like you use her to like recover his mind and all of that. So. But then, like, in that time where you stop playing as Tifa because she stays with Cloud when you find him in the wheelchair, like, he's, like, spazzing and all that, Sid becomes, like, your main dude. And I tell you, this Sid, Paul, has become, like, one of my all-time favorite characters. First, like, it's so funny. Like, his vibe is so relatable. Like, this dude that had his dream crushed over trying, like, to do the, to the hard thing, and I think he will be able to get, like, his dream back in. And then when you mix it with his incredible theme, the one that I was like, dude, as soon as something, like, really, like like click with me when i started hearing his song like when we were in the rocket and just like that scene uh where with that theme playing and he said you leave him behind and you cloud me like i'm not leaving another friend behind and all that i was like i feel like i wanted to give like a salute to this like he's so cool and then he has like a really amazing speech about like i thought the going to this in, in, outside the planet was going to send me the, into the grandeur of life and then realizing the planet is just such a small thing in the vast universe and knowing that there's evil inside that inside here and it's like the, our planet is like a kid that we have to, that has to be taken care of and who's going to take care of that it's going to be us i was like god like like this cantankerous 30 year old like uh sid is like such inspiring character i was like god it's like i really yeah, yeah th that that was the moment where i was like i like this more than four that was like that was like the, the moment when that happened. The the rocket scene happened, uh, and all of that. I was like, yeah, I I do like this more. And really great ending. Uh, I would say it's so funny how ambiguous it kind of, the ending kind of is, uh, because it just fast forwards like at the end. So yeah. a lot, and I understand where Advent, where Advent Children came from. Apparently, they just started, they they wanted. Uh, they both saw the popularity of Seven still even after eight and nine were done. And even 10, because that's the thing. Advent Children came out after 8, 9, and 10 were out in the market. But because they put them in Kingdom Hearts, like those get like Sephiroth and Cloud were in Kingdom Hearts, like you had everything in Yuffie also. And Sid, that version of Sid is also in Kingdom Hearts. So it's like they, I think they intentionally, by including those characters in Kingdom Hearts, they were nudging into the popularity a little bit more because it's like we're including this, even though we're also including Leon Squall. Or whatever the, uh, how are yeah. you, you call the Squall Final Fantasy VIII? Leonhardt. Yeah, yeah, Squall Leonhardt. He goes by yeah. Squall in all of the rest yeah, of it, Final Fantasy VIII, but in Kingdom Hearts, he's, it, like, he's no, Leon. My name is Leon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so, right, yeah. So, so you have Leon there, even though there's also Final Fantasy X like characters from the very first Kingdom Hearts when you are in the 
when you're in Destiny Island. And then in Kingdom Hearts 2. I, this finally clicked with me after like brilliant, like the, the ninja dude with like the uh, broken arm that Hades brings back up. That's from, oh, oh, uh, yeah. that's from, from Final, Final Fantasy X. Yeah, yeah, so it's like well, he's one of your first. The, he's the, the character that introduced you to, to the right. combat. Yeah, so it was like yeah. that didn't click with me when I played Kingdom Hearts 2 back in 2018. And, and now that I'm playing it because I did try Final Fantasy X briefly. I have it installed because that was before I went into this whole madness that has just been me playing all these games now. So, but it's the seven cast is just iconic. It's that's just fact. There is a reason why seven is so long lasting. And I tell you, yeah. Paul, Rebirth, most anticipated game from here on out right now. And whenever that yeah. third game is now, because I need to see, like, I am now anxious because now I, I've seen the story in from beginning to end. I need to know that's where true. they cut. Yeah, I need yeah. to know where they cut. Like that's and that's, that's gonna be agonizing. Yeah, that's gonna, gonna be agonizing. Change, I will give it like um I think when I said that it peaks um in the early spots, I think I agreed with you with it being aesthetic and not story because the story reveals like granted it's one of those like you've kind of grown up you know the the plot twist it's, because it's fine. you know you, you know Darth Vader is looks is looks father it's yeah, it's, it's, a, it's like it's like Final Fantasy 7 is that kind of like cultural like thing that even if you've never played this game you know some of those things because it's like this game was important this game was like a massive step for 3D gaming like back in 1997 that's why like this game is so seminal so that's why you know some of those things but yeah like the story immediately gets so much cooler after Midgar to be fair to them, them fleshing on Midgar like they did with Remake, that's actually pretty impressive. Because it's like, it's a bunch of nothing early on, like in OG7, it's like, yeah. it's just set up. But they were able to make a full thing, even though it's a little stretch at times, like it still feels like a complete product. Even though they threw the fate nonsense at the end of that game, mm. uh, to then settle and be like, oh no, yeah, they haven't shackled themselves from their previous fate. So it makes me really curious to see how much that unshackling is because you, we saw the trailer uh, at the at the at Summer Game Fest this year, and uh, there's so many iconic moments that was like when I was playing, I was like Leo DiCaprio is like I remember that from the trailer, the introduction of like when, when they uh, the introduction of Elena, like Sephiroth throwing a different Genova at them, and all of that, yeah. like the uh, seeing Junon, which is like yes, like I remember Junon from Crisis Core. I remember seeing it there. Now seeing it in this fidelity is like super cool. The uh, planetarium scene, which is one of the coolest scenes in the game, and in Final Fantasy VII, like when you go to Red Thirteen's uh, mountain, then you find his grandfather, Budengagen or whatever the uh, the, the character's called. Yeah, I don't remember. So like they explain to you about like the this is what the stars are, like what a planet does when it's like uh, feels threatened and all that, and the things about the live stream is like. They show that clip in the uh, in the in the trailer, and they also show their reunion. They when all these zombie clones or like her hooded are like all reuniting that we're trying to get into Genova. It's like that's in the trailer, so at least I know what's gonna be covered. It's a lot that's gonna be covered. So oh, yeah, and uh, the fact that to me the most mind blowing thing was the Aerith moment was the end of this one. When that happened, I was like. I was under the impression, Paul, that Midgar was this one. And then as soon as you were done with Midgar, this two you would put in to get the rest of the game. That Honestly, blew my I couldn't yeah. remember the ex exact detail, excuse me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but it makes almost a little more sense because of how little Midgar really is in the original. Uh -huh. 
uh, that you think more of it gets covered in mm. the later portions, but yeah. it, I yeah. understand <laughs> now. I understand the uh, the consternation there was in the lead up to remake when they were saying that Midgar was all there was mm. because the people that had played this game originally and they knew how much there was once you got out of Midgard. Like going to Karn, going to Costa del Sol, which I felt so heartworn because we have a beach here called Costa del Sol. Because it's just basically, uh, that means uh, a sun beach. It's like it's such a generic, but it's just so funny. It's like that we had that name here. So I was like, I do wonder how they came out with that name for the, like like at, at this moment. So And there's just so many scenes that I want to see how they do in Rebirth. Uh, yeah. I want to see how the golden saucer happens. I want to see how the date with a significant other happens. Also, I want to see uh, if there's a random, if, if, if there's still like random BS, like, oh well, yeah, you're in this excavation part. Like, you have to use this crew to find like an, a lunar harp to get to get into the city of the ancients. Do you remember that? Like to to get to the Very place cool. where yeah, it's like you have to like dig up a harp, and the only way to do it is that you have to randomly put a bunch of workers to put a bombs, and then they're gonna like look into the direction where they know a, 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 a oh, thing yeah. a, a thing is. Yeah, it's like, I got so close to using a guide there and randomly found the lunar harp. So that's before like the big Aerith moment that everyone knows, and mm-hmm. we already saw a clip of that thing being done in remake because they flash forward to that like early on, like you see, like. When she drops the materia, like that is in remake yeah. already. So it's like yeah. the, 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 I remember, like there were so many people that were big fans of Seven. They started crying when they were streaming the game, and they saw it because it was like, oh my god, it's like seeing that in that fidelity. It's gonna be nuts. And we're when, going to get a lot yeah. of insanity. That's yeah. for sure. I, tell you, I, I can't wait. Final Fantasy Seven has been so great, and now I started eight. So, but very early. I'm still in the training se- session, so it's like I have no. I have no opinion on that one, but I yep. went and finished Atlas Fallen. Some yesterday, I was like, uh, I played a little bit of Immortals of Haven. We're gonna talk a little bit, uh, a bit about that a little later. But I was like, I don't want to be as irresponsible with the purchases this year like I was last year. I think I beat in everything we bought this year, thankfully, because last year we went through the post Elden Ring. Like when we bought our bunch of those games, yeah. we didn't beat a lot of those. <laughs> So that so this year has been much better, but also reviewing helped me, like concentrate. And I feel that was the key because I was reviewing a bunch of these games. It actually forced me to focus when I had no that commitment. It's so easy to bounce around. That's why like it took me until not to beat Atlas Fallen. But my criticisms and praises of that game remain. The combat is great. It gets so much better even like even later. But story wise, I stopped caring. Like this is one of the first few times that I've tuned out the story so thoroughly. I was skipping all dialogue, and I even did this. I turned the master volume off of like the game, went to the Spotify app of uh, of the PlayStation, and I looped Sid's theme, the the Sid theme that I took, and I played that for the rest of the game, and that's how I, I took it all the way to the final boss. And I tell you, it worked so well. I enjoyed the game so much more just like uh, setting a specific parameter for myself. Like I know what I'm enjoying. I'm not gonna waste my time trying to understand this. Lord, because it's like I feel I feel I'm lord out with this kind of like fantasy land with gods and all of that. It's like that's, and I think this that compelling, and I beat it and I deleted it, and that's all I can say is like this was a McDonald's meal. It was like this would have worked. I tell you, if this game had come out in 2022, I would have loved it so much more because there was nothing to play back then. Like this kind of game in this year of all years, like you feel the just having one really good thing is not just said it's not enough. So 
And Immortals of Avium is kind of there, like in that similar, like it kind of like in a similar ballpark. I like the concept. I'll say, like, I do like the idea of like a first-person uh, magic game that's like kind of like has some Call of Duty style set piece moments and 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 flow with a little RPG thrown here and there. But I feel that concept is kind of like being dragged down a little bit by visuals that go from this actually looks really pretty to oh my god this looks bland and what is this uncanny valley shit like these faces look they go from really good to hideous in like the in the like uh animation and i was like oh man it's and the dialogue it's like we're talking about marvel dialogue like back in like when when uh forspoken was coming was coming out this is that and i would say it's even worse because at the very least forspoken was like it embraced the cringiness of its character, the isekai, that I feel that pulled me through. This one is like, everyone's like, all oh, happy-go-lucky in this thing that I'm like, I don't feel like I'm connecting with this, like, characters, at least at this moment. But combat seems fun. I know the game's short. I think I'm definitely going to see it through. Like, I know that it's, uh, it's reviewing soft in, like, the 70s right now. Uh, Scale-Up recommended it as a palate cleanser. And I can, I can kind of see that, like... I like I like myself some palate cleansers. I wonder if I want to do this palate cleanser now because a big game is literally coming out in six hours from where we're recording, <laughs> uh, which also got its review embargo lifted and is reviewing really great. Not as great as their game last year, but it's still pretty. It's reviewing as well as Final Fantasy sixteen, so yeah. that's already good company. And that's enough of good company there. And that game's also a kind of game we haven't played in a while. Obviously, we're talking about Armor Court six. So, oh, yes. you played a little bit more of Immortals of Avian because I was, like, finishing Final Fantasy VII and Atlas Fallen, so... I did. Um, you had, you had Yeah, you had a few... Uh, I feel um, like... I feel you lowered my excitement seeing something, but I was, like, I came out higher, I was, like... I was wanting to hear more, like, what's, like... What's stopping so you? So, I don't hate it. Uh, they really try to give hit you with the arcane prologue. Um, which is like, oh, we're a scrappy band of thieves. We're young and lovable. And it's like, one of us really wants to join the military. Nothing can go wrong. And I was like, all right, just come on. Get get this over with, guys. Let's uh. go. Um, I almost would have preferred if they had just started him as like a recruit in the military. I, I wasn't vibing with that startup at all. However, it was gorgeous art direction mm -hmm. uh the way like you had the whole shantytown built into yeah. the side of that bridge i was like yes pristine it, that yeah that's the, that's the thing like where visually it's like yes yes it's like i i can feel that yeah. it's just i, I give it that much um it's it's really just the facial expressions because instantly like of course the dude just talks exactly like you said and i never like to liken it to the whole weed-esque style as much mm -hmm. as just kind of step even further back um because that kind of style was it was great until all of a sudden it wasn't mm -hmm. um and i used to eat that kind of dialogue up and same then everyone just did. like yeah um I, it's funny because i like in the main characters look in the prologue to uh jim hawkins to and treasure planet God damn have, like, it, the, you're so right. Yes, yes. Just immediately like <laughs> this game has oh. that vibe. There's a lot of Treasure Planet vibes. A lot of with like how oh, yeah. characters move around and characters like interact. I do love the uh the Magitech like airships and stuff and 
like everything about the actual world, not the world building or the lore. I don't really care as much about that side of it, but like the implementation of like the really cool designs for everything, 10 out of 10. It's just the fact that it kind of wraps in this really boring storyline with characters I don't really engage you didn't with. Give a, at you all. didn't give a crap about <laughs> Not in the slightest. Um yeah. I I don't really like the designs for the gauntlets either. They're just really overdone. Um I don't like the crazy like metal things sticking off in every direction. But that's more of a personal thing, so I don't want to fault it for that side mm -hmm. of it. Because some people really vibe with that. Um second thing is that there's only three weapons um that you can really use there's like variations and you can change a few things about it mm -hmm. yeah i was gonna part, ask i was gonna ask is that it or is there more because it? i had heard i had heard otherwise but we'll, we'll see we'll see so to be fair you can alter they're always going to be red green or blue okay um, but there's but variations within those you can change an upgrade so like the shotgun for instance the fire one uh you can change it into kind of like a grenade like a grenade launcher almost mm -hmm. so it fires like a condensed piece that goes forward first and then explodes so it gives you more range it kind of changes the vibe but overall you're going to want to pick whatever's more useful anyway as you progress the story mm -hmm. so unless you get like a better version of the shotgun that i didn't see in the short time that i was playing then it's like well you might as well just keep trading up to a different mm -hmm. method um and then i just wasn't a huge fan of certain aspects let me think um i was already getting a little bit bored of the like reuse of enemies Mm -hmm. um so that could have been done a little bit faster but overall, also it's like just real quick are you playing a lot of this game in your small tv the pink thing that you did that I you mentioned play it on the big one i probably most of it if not all of it is on the small tv but it's because like you yeah you were you mentioned me that this is one of the first few times where motion blur actually messed you up because it's not able to be turned off uh-huh and I, I look through the options on it and it drives me insane yeah the thing is that there's no like fidelity or performance mode like toggle either in this game it's like it's just like the game is yeah. what it is the and the only uh, thing on display is your brightness i think and that's yeah. it yeah and uh and the thing is that depending on your tv some tvs handle motion blur really well mind us like that wasn't a problem but i know other tvs that don't handle motion the a game's motion blur really well so that's why i was wondering is he playing i haven't had like, any issues with motion blur before now because usually i do keep it on mm -hmm. uh just because i don't really care that much about motion blur so it's kind of I, I actually that i, I hate it this time i actually love motion blur because it's like I've seen so many games without it that are jittery when you're moving, and motion blur just yeah. helps uh, smooth out an image. So, but yeah, there's some people that absolutely hate motion blur. So, yeah, I appreciate some games that let you turn off. In fact, that Final Fantasy 16 is a game that they patched in to be able to turn yeah. motion blur off. I tried it in, and I was like, you know what? I already like the look of this game in motion blur. Like, that's not a problem for me. Because it's I'll, well implemented. Yeah. I've, However. I've seen what yeah. happens when however you i went to a friend's house he was also playing final fantasy 16 he had motion blur on and in his tv i was like something's off i don't remember this meal so i think it's it, it's it varies from tv to tv like i don't even so. remember if i turned off motion blur or not did the patch come out recently it came out around the time that uh after we were done with the spoiler cast 
Okay, so I would have played it all with motion blur yeah. on. So that means because I only complained about it in like the prologue playing mm -hmm. on the smaller display. After that, I had no issues. Mm -hmm. um, so hey, so again, yeah, it's like it, again, it's like a is a dis if it's a display to display uh, thing. Uh, depending on yeah. the hertz of a TV, like uh, if they implement interpolation well, things like that. It's, it's a lot of weird technical mumbo jumbo. It's just something I wanted to ask you if you were able to try that game in the big TV because you have a TV with a high refresh rate because you have the possibility to play some games in 120 yep. frames. Not everything because they're not. You have to specifically pick. A high performance mode if a game allows it for you to actually see 120 frames right. like you, you were very confused with that but the panel itself is 120 hertz already so that alone helps better with like interpolation just by default because it has a lot of hertz um uh already at, at its disposal to kind of aid with things even though a game is not running at that thing so that's what i was wondering if you got to try that because when you said that i was like he's probably playing in an old tv where motion blur just sucks ass so that's why, I, that's why I was yeah, wondering. So, that's what you mean. so yeah, uh, are you gonna try to beat this one or how much have you played? Like, uh, how much um, have you played? So there's you... a forest area. I did all the training stuff, and like the, your first real uh, mission, you go into this cave, uh, following up with this cult or something. It's like, oh, it's the hand of something or whatever. I think it's just called the hand. And they're like, all right, go investigate. And I go in and I was hunting through, shooting a bunch of dudes and whatever. And then uh, at a certain point, there was a flashback or you get called back and you're talking to. Oh, Lord. Uh, no, never mind. I think I was still in the middle of it. And yeah, I was I was checking out super hard. So I was like, I'm just going to go play something else. And that's when I went and played the other game that we'll talk about during our news section. But uh, yeah, that's really all I have to say about Immortals of Avium. It's just if it had come out another time, it would have been like, it's all right. Mm -hmm. exactly. But as it is, I would much yeah. rather play. Yeah, both Atlas Fallen and this. Yeah, both Atlas Fallen and Immortals are victims of time right now. This was supposed to be a July game. Hearing yeah. all of this, like, unless it was like mess technically, if they were, if they could have been able to release this in July, I think that would have, like, look, Remnant had a good time to shine by releasing in July, like, mm -hmm. with, with some good separation. So, uh, but I would say, like, from what little I played, I do like Immortals more than I like Atlas Fallen because, at least in concept, it's much cooler. Atlas Fallen, I feel I played that game a million times before. So, uh, and, in a year where I've seen those kinds of games sometimes be so much better. Like going back to this one, it was like, yeah, this would have worked so much better, like not with what it's surrounding it. But I'm definitely going to see more of Avium. So, but I, these were two games that I committed to review because we never got caught again, like on season gaming, like parameters. Like we don't have to review games if we don't want to. I definitely just want to see this through. But our record is literally today. So I definitely want to see. Maybe it's too hard for me and then I'll just keep playing Avium. We'll see. But uh, yeah. but it's like yeah, the big ones next week also. So it's like it's like, we're just so busy, and I love that. But uh, this other game, we're gonna talk it in the news, Paul. Press X for some news. Story number one by Leslie Little Blank over at Game Informer. Destiny 2, Bungie pulls back the curtain on the Final Shape expansion and Season of the Witch. We've known for a while now that Destiny 2 developer Bungie has been bringing players closer and closer to the end of the War of Light and Darkness. 
Now, the studio has formally unveiled the final shape, the expansion concluding this decade-long story arc, and it launches on February 27, 2024. Bungie says in the final shape, Guardians will confront their ultimate adversary, The Witness, alongside companions from their years of adventures in Destiny 2, like Ikora Ray, Commander Savala, and Kate 6 who has somehow returned after dying in the game's Forsaken expansion. The final shape will take players right into the heart of the Traveler to end the War of Light and Darkness with the Vanguard. Bungie says a new raid will launch in in March 2024, shortly after the release of the final shape. A new World First race will accompany this raid beginning on launch day. Uh, during the campaign of the final shape, Guardians will explore a mysterious new destination, the Pale Heart, located inside the, tra uh, the Traveler, a press release read. Shaped by the witness but also influenced by the history and journey of the Guardians themselves, the Pale Heart destination will feature nostalgic callbacks from throughout the history of the Light and Darkness saga, including a version of the original Tower from Destiny. Bungie says with the Pale Heart being the first linear destination in Destiny history, it would also gradually evolve. The expansion also, also includes three new super abilities and aspects forms. Void for Titans, Solar for Warlocks, and Arc for Hunter, each developed with team play in mind, Bungie says. Other additions to Destiny 2 include a new weapon subfamily called the Rocket Pistol Sidearm and a new support frame auto-rifle that can deal damage while healing allies. Classic weapons from the original Destiny and a new exotic fusion rifle will go live with the final shape. This expansion will include a new enemy type called Subjugators. They can use stasis and strand powers, making them a threat to all Guardians. Bungie also details some things coming to Destiny 2 over the next year, including Episodes, which is the studio's new approach to seasonal content. The first episode is called Echoes, and it will begin in March 2024. The second is called Revenant, and the third is called Heresy, and together, these three episodes will detail the aftermath of the events of the final shape. They will also include more content and rewards than previous Destiny 2 seasons, according to Bungie. Thanks, dog. Uh, these are three. The, there are three editions of the Final Shape up for pre-order: a standard edition, a more premium version that includes the annual pass, and a third collector's edition that includes everything in the, uh, in the first two, as well as a replica model of the original tower and more. Before we talk about season of the Witch Ball, what do you think of the things uh, about the Final Shape? Now that we're two days removed, we did a reacts. People, our reacts is live there. It's not doing as well as our previous reacts, but we kept tradition and still react at that's at, at the at big Destiny showcases. So. What do you think? Now, like, so, after two, I um, I oh, this is gonna sound so weird. Um, I mm, I like the concept of it, mm -hmm. and I hope that it continues the direction that I'm hoping it will, because they're kind of creating this uh, anything burger. Mm -hmm. Where they're like, yeah, go into the Traveler and we could just add whatever the frick you want. You want like an old environment, you want an old level, you want an old boss of whatever. It's like you're, you're making a lore reason for just throwing whatever the heck, excuse me, <laughs> the heck you want at the at the wall and seeing what sticks. I mean, you could even throw in like freaking, oh, I don't know, you could just throw in Oryx for some reason. It's mm -hmm. like, oh, it's a mental projection of Oryx. Oh, shoot, you got to kill him. And, and they've already done that many times before with mental yeah. Oryx production, um, I should tell you. <laughs> my gosh, I'm thinking about like taking King already. But anyway, mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, you could just do a lot with that. And the fact that they made it very specific to bring back all of the previous, um, I keep wanting to say Titans, but they're Guardians. Uh, Jeez, I'm just so <laughs> Titan mentality. I think everybody plays a Titan. So... Yeah, they're like all the guardians show back up. You got all of the previous armor sets all the way back to the beginning. And I was telling you at the time, I was like, man, it would be awesome if they use like the original concept art armor mm -hmm. or like the ones from the reveal. 
like really bring us full circle. I mean, we've already got Nathan Fillion as Cade Six mm-hmm. coming back um, with our theories on why he's back and what that uh-huh. might actually mean, where it's like, is it really him? Is it not? You don't mm-hmm. know, but um, yeah, it's just, it's got a lot of potential after Lightfall was a really focused effort. At f- it, it seemed like it was going to be a focused effort on like one area. Mm-hmm. Next step big failure um this might be their chance to kind of both step back and come forward with the next like real opportunity yeah Uh, i said it in the showcase it reacts and i'll repeat it's like this has not been a good year for destiny which has been sad because the witch queen entire year even though the seasonal model started like croaking like croaking under like the repetitiveness of them doing the same format over and over and over again the content we got in year five was amazing and not even mention, just the expansion content alone was so great. The campaign, the raid, all of that, that they're writing such a high that Lightfall, unfortunately, is like, if whenever we do Game of the Year, I want to do a category of uh, who fumbled the bag this year. And I would say the one that fumbled the bag this year was uh, was Lightfall. Because, like, you Are don't talk fumble... about games in general. Yeah, just in general. I feel like this game, like, yeah, because he had it. Obviously, there's been worse games this year. But who fumbled yeah. the bag? of yeah, of yeah, like yeah. you had you had this served in a platter is like you came with such great momentum the ending of the final season before life all started was so cool with like the traveler going into the sky the witness finally being here is like in mcu terms this was the infinity war moment and you fumbled your infinity war moment by making it clear that it's like all of the, all the content that you put out this year has just been that you trying to add, give yourself more time because the real thing that we should have been playing this year was this, because this was the original Lightfall version. I think even like the say that the like like the way that the the witness cuts into the traveler is like the Lightfall thing. Like it was the Lightfall uh, triangle that was revealed back in 2020. So it's like it's just clear that they delayed what this expansion was, changed the name, but because they trademarked Lightfall, they quickly put together an expansion too because they couldn't go a year without one. Uh, and we're seeing how that game suffered for that with like a bad story like uh just uh just uh a nothing burger of things happening like uh weird things like the end the death of anna bray like what or the the uh, was it anna bray i don't remember what was what, what was the, the, the pilot of uh, the pilot about amanda huds amanda um, holiday yeah amanda holiday. And, and, yeah anna bray was like the robot i forgot yes yeah, so, yeah. The, the, the death of amanda holiday being like so like sudden and then like uh uh, the story we got in Season of the Day was, like, the thing that would have made Lightfall, like, actually coherent. Because it gave us an explanation why what we were doing in Lightfall was so important. So, it's, like, it's just it's just clear that this year has just been them trying to, like, put pieces together. Because they have been focused on this. Uh, I'm hoping this is great. But removed from the showcase, I would say, like, compared to the other showcases that we saw, like, and we reacted to two years ago... It does feel that they were holding back. They feel they, they, they this felt like they didn't want to play all their cards uh, uh, too too much, which it's a really crappy position to be in because I feel you would have earned your silence if this last year had not been gone the way it's gone. You know what? You, you know what I mean? It's like because I was like talking with our friend Duncan that if you remember the lead up to Avengers Endgame, we saw barely anything of that movie, even in trailers and all that. It's like they per- they like. They kept their, their cards close to the chest because they knew that it was the end and they wanted to surprise fans. 
have I not seen so much of that thing like in previews and obviously then they blow the wide they, they blew the doors wide open post like post release and seeing a lot of the footage that we we uh that that was like they kept hitting I feel they're trying to play that but it's like after a year where sentiment with the game has been low I feel this showcase at least gives us a path towards positivity but it wasn't a home run like a lot of people didn't walk out of the showcase like as high as the last one or kind of like like this like last year immediately we bought the hundred dollar edition after that after that rifle showcase obviously yep. we were nudged by the fact that we got an auto rifle that's so damn good in it yeah that this auto rifle was so good i was like i'll buy it now it's fine <laughs> yeah especially because it was like a, a different kind of looking auto rifle we had not had also exotic auto rifles in like forever so it was like a new kind of weapon that was like a pre-order bonus i was like you know what we were gonna play back then we we're like we're already in it's like they got us in the bag like we know it. it's like uh this, this is our game we're gonna keep committed it's like let's just save money and commit now because that way we don't have to pay for dungeon keys that come separate from like seasonal price that was before they bumped the price slightly for the seasons now because seasons used to be ten dollars now they're like twelve dollars but there's no twelve dollar amount so you have to buy fifteen fifteen dollars worth of silver to buy uh to, to, to buy a seat to, to buy a season which has been like they were doing like some scummy moves on top of that so uh that's why i'm like yeah it's like this was definitely the weakest showcase of the last three that we've seen i feel like uh i didn't walk out with like not walk out super hyped but i would say at the very least the season that launched uh around that same time that's been a step in the right direction. Gonna continue the story. Season of the Witch. Alongside the reveal of the final shape, Bungie also detailed what Guardians can expect in Destiny 2's Lightfall Season of the Witch, launching that same day. In Season of the Witch, Guardians will continue their ongoing pursuit of the Witness and will confront all allies and enemies along the way. A press release reads, Sabathun's ghost Imaru proposes a deal. Aid in the resurrection of the Witch Queen and help defeat her sister, Zebrarath. In exchange, Sabathun will reveal the key to the portal through the Traveler, where the Witness is preparing to enact the final shape. Guardians will all, will be able to harness arcane hive magic to help ally Ur's Morn transform into a hive god to fight against the hive god of war. One key feature of Season of the Witch is the Deck of Whispers, which Bungie describes as a new method of player progression that allows Guardians to customize their loadouts and powers in new ways. By completing seasonal activities, players earn cards that can be used to build a customized deck full of buffs and perks for certain activities, Bungie says. Players and fire teams have the option to carefully strategize which cards they bring along to maximize their battle effectiveness on each run. Season of the Witch includes several quality of life features, including timeline reflections. Bungie says these short playable missions are accessible through the timeline feature in the director and offer brief narrative introductions and summaries of key narrative events in Destiny 2. The goal of timeline reflections is to catch new players up with the ongoing story and allow experienced players to relive moments from the game's past. Three timeline reflections are available at the launch of the season. K6's final showdown with the Scorn from the Forsaken expansion, the debut of Stasis from Destiny 2's Beyond Light expansion, and the introduction of the Lucent Hive from the Witch Queen expansion. These missions will be available to all players for free. Beginning September 1st, Crota's End will go live as part of the Season of the Witch, with a new world's first rated for it as well. You can hop into the Witch Queen expansion for free this upcoming weekend from August 24th to August 27th. It will also be on sale for purchase from August 22nd to September 5th. The Witch Queen is also available right now for PlayStation Plus Extra and Premium members. So, we started playing the season, Paul. And I'll say yep. this. Out of the three seasons for a delightful year, this one definitely started the strongest. And why? The Witch Queen vibes are real. It's yep. like, it, it's like it reminds me. It's like, God, the Witch Queen was really cool, wasn't it? It's like, it felt more involved. It's like, it felt like uh, you needed to use a little bit more of your brain to solve stuff. 
it was like so different to just they go here kill stuff go here kill stuff and all that them legit experimenting with the card system is like at least it's us finally seeing they're finally innovating in with a new kind of seasonal progression that as of this moment is not time gated which is so cool because by not time gating that kind of progression with those cards and all that you feel like you have more to do in a, at, a, at a certain season yeah the weapons and still wait and see to see if i actually really love them i like the scout rifle uh, that i got because it has like a new precision perk and you usually want to do sky rifles to the perks. So it's like it synergizes really well with that. Uh, I got uh, uh, the exotic that came out though, like with the season pass with the the boom shot uh, grenade launcher. That's actually yep. it's, it's actually so cool uh, it's because insane, it's like honestly, yeah, it's like uh, and thankfully it's not destroying PvP like I thought it was going. It was going to like having a grenade launcher that you didn't have to reload that explosive impact. Because apparently the damage by itself can't kill a guardian with one yeah. shot so they got that right they didn't get right what was happening with warlock's aspect though which is like <laughs> yeah yeah but uh i think what's been like fun has been like uh the vibes of this of this season are starting good our clan's back like the, the our clan that uh mm. took a break to play other games especially diablo uh yeah so not a good time for that last season launching the same the same month as the granddaddy of of the, of the looter of the looter genre but definitely better vibes i've seen myself playing this more if i was like i'm actually like intentionally yesterday i had that moment where i was like do i finish atlas fallen or just go back to destiny 2 i was like nah i want to i want to finish this game and i'm glad that mm -hmm. i did because i was able to because it's like when destiny's addicting it's like it's so easy to fall back into it's like it's such amazing comfort food it feels so good to play uh being reminded of that after we played final fantasy 14 that 14 is a better MMO, but what's a better playing game in yeah. that genre? Destiny. It's like that's your that that is their uh, that is their trump card. Again, a gameplay feels so damn good. I uh, do have to give it to them that Destiny is just more fun to play, play. Mm -hmm. than Final Fantasy 14. But uh, yeah, that that's a whole another discussion. Yeah, I'm glad so, that. <laughs> Uh, Destiny 2's new season of the Witch uh, season is doing a lot better. I mm. love the exotic because I don't think for the seasonal exotics, I don't think I've liked any of them. Recently, I'm trying to think. Uh, like last, uh, last the, one the, was the weird boat machine gun thing. Uh huh. Um, before the, that, there was do you, the. Do you get the bow? Do you get the bow and arrow that was like stasis? I did get the bow. Okay. Okay, I just, just making sure. Didn't really care for it. Um I uh there was that electric sidearm. Mm -hmm. There was the There's winter by I don't think you ever got yeah, winter by which is what's the, 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 the big That wave. wasn't one for the season though. That was That was expansion. Yeah. Right. Um because it was apparently such a pain in the butt to get, and I was like, I don't have time for that. Yeah, you needed <laughs> so to. You needed to do the events like every day. Like you did it an event that happened one day, and then you had to log in the next day to do that same yeah, event. Yeah, I'm not doing and that. Then the next I day, learned my lesson from Red Dead Online. I am never doing something that requires me to log in uh -huh. every day because it will work on me, mm -hmm. and I will waste way too much time on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you ever get the uh, the strand sidearm? That is like uh, that, that you can like charge it, and it's basically the Titanfall sidearm. I don't remember. Yeah, that's uh, a, that, that, that was I don't an expansion sidearm. What sign it arm. even looked yeah. like? 
Yeah, it was it was an expansion sidearm. It was really cool. Yeah, the the expansion had cool uh, exotics. I don't know if you ever got the the void volatile like machine gun. That's part of like a quest for Nimbus. That was also that, that was also from the expansion. So, uh, it's good vibes right now. Not the best vibes still, but I'm just can't wait to play more. I I will say this fall. It was so funny because we did a raid bash. We talked about the raid bash, birthday bash last week that took us like four or five hours. We did the exact same raid this week. You didn't play. We did it in an hour. That quick. I hope that I'm not the uh, common denominator. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Think Uh, about it this way, Paul. We were like shaking up the cobwebs there. We also had a person that never ran it also that that day relaxing us. That is true. So, yeah, we were also trying to figure, refigure out Bolt and uh, the ogre part. We wiped a couple times there. So it's like, and also we were just screwing up uh, the the cheese with uh, whatchamacallit, uh, with, with Riven. The fifteen times, mm-hmm. uh, like yeah. we did, we did it in tw- we, we did we did it in two, uh, the, the, if with Riven, and the final run we did it in one. Like the uh, the relay race, yeah. it happened on one. So, if we do it again, it's gonna go much quicker because it's just us doing it. Because now we know what we're doing. After you do it right, after a while not doing it, that's what takes longer. You just always happen to jump into the rates where we're like relearning the mechanics and warming up again. So, so, you always have the bad timing. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, so, we were going to do raid yesterday. We are going to see if we are going to do like a cancel, but life happened. So, we'll see yeah. if, we do a, if we do a raid today, but new games are coming, so we'll see. But yeah, that was everything about Destiny. Story number two, Paul. Uh, opening Night Live uh, for this year happened, and we didn't do a reacts. Uh, I kind of was just side-eyeing because I was editing our reacts also, so... Uh, at this time, I just took this article from IGN to read some of the things, like the big the big ticket item, items, so... So the things that happened at opening my lab that were not a dude walking to Jeff Keighley's mic asking, Where is GTA 6? Bill Clinton wants to play GTA 6. Uh, there were a couple games that not quite announced but got updates. Uh, so I'm going to try to go th- really quickly through this article because I think you didn't see much of what was here. Uh, Not at all. I think after- I found out like in hindsight a few of the items, uh-huh. um, all the big stuff that's listed here pretty much. Yeah. So, yeah, at least know of it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, you're going to read through this real quick. So uh, Starfield debuted the launch trailer. Basically, they had Todd Howard explaining like where the idea came from. That's around the time where uh, Jeff Keighley got that GTA 6 dude. Uh, and had to yeah. respond immediately. So, Zack Snyder revealed uh, the Rebel Moons, uh, the his Star Wars film that he couldn't film because with Disney. Uh, he revealed the trailer, uh, the trailer for that uh, for that movie. But why I was here was because he announced that they're gonna do a game also with with Netflix AAA team about Rebel Moon. That one is not dated, but because Rebel Moon is gonna become a thing, that's that's coming. Uh, Modern Warfare Three showed the a full demo. Kind of like we we got the Modern Warfare 2 demo last year at Summer Game Fest. We got the Modern Warfare 3 one for the first level for for this game. Where they were allegedly showing us the open level design that they were doing. But it looked like a Call of Duty level, personally. So, it was basically uh, one of the castles from Berdansk. Which is interesting that the uh, the uh, Warzone map from, from the uh, 2019 Modern Warfare. So, they showed the entire level. It was like a long thing, so... 
they they showed a, li a little bit more gameplay for Alan Wake 2, reiterating the October 27 release date. Uh, they announced Diablo 4 Season 2 already, which is pretty funny that they already got the name for that one. Uh, it's it's going to call, be called Season of Blood, and it has a Vampire Hunter companion. Uh, Mortal Kombat 1 revealed two new fighters, uh, Sindel and General Shao Ken. So a, a different different version of Shao oh, Ken in the yeah. game. So, because again, like the victim of Mortal Kombat 1 is that they're reimagining some characters, like what they're doing with Raiden. It's actually pretty cool. Like Mortal Kombat 1 still looks good, but from in fighting news, more exciting. Uh, Tekken 8 guesses release date, January 26, 2024. One of the, that's going to be one of the first games we buy in 2024, Paul. I definitely want to play Tekken 8. I've heard oh, yeah. really, really great things. Uh, more gameplay, another gameplay trailer for Assassin's Creed Mirage. Just reiterating the pullback of the date that's releasing, uh, that's releasing earlier, and Baghdad in that game looks really good. But I, again, like the thing that excites me the most is that they were playing up the scale of the city. But I'm like, my selling point for this game is that it's shorter. So it's like I don't care about the scale of the city. Uh, Cyberpunk 2077 2.0, the big rework that they were mentioning uh, was going to happen with Phantom Liberty. They uh, they clarified that this is just a general patch. So if you only have the base game, this rework this rework is going to work. So you don't even have to buy Phantom Liberty. So it's a lot what they're doing. It's like uh, what they're adding with that with that two point thing. It's an so. encyclopedia worth. Um, and eagle-eyed viewers notice that they use uh, Cyberpunk Edge Runners characters as images in the perks <laughs> now. Yeah, so it's like again, it's synergizing with that. It's like I tell you, Paul, I can't wait for this game to like solidify this game's like comeback because it like its comeback was only gonna kind of touch upon because of the synergy with Edge Runners. This feels like the victory lap. Can't wait to see it. Can't wait for it to actually launch and for it to really work on September 26. But I'm really glad that they're back to the uh, CDPR like good side of things. So like, hey. Remember when we were so pro consumer in The Witcher Three, like all those patches we gave you, the all that all those sixteen weeks of free content we gave you, it's like this has that energy, and definitely coming after their entire reputation tanked, but better than better than nothing. Uh, Sonic Superstars, the two D Sonic game that was revealed at uh, at Keely uh, at, at Summer Game Fest, gotta release it. I feel I'm having a Mandela effect with this thing. I remember hearing this game was coming the same week as Mario. Uh, as Mario uh, Wonder and Spider-Man 2 on the 7th, mm -hmm. on October 17th. And they're talking about this like it's a big deal. So I need to go back because I feel like it's a Mandela effect for me. Um, but, and then Sonic Frontiers, my surprise game, like one of the surprise, my surprise favorite games from last year is getting a, the Final Horizon update. Basically a free update that's going to add a new story, new playable characters, and new challenges. It's free. I'm definitely going to try it out. Again, like I keep saying, like I was, I went into Frontiers wanting to hate it. I wanted to hate it. I wanted to make fun of her friend PJ to have another Sonic game to make fun of him. And this one was a good <laughs> one. The only good one in 20 years in the 3D space. Uh, yeah. Yes. Uh, which is not a, like, again, not a, not a, not a big bolt, not, not, not a big uh, bump, hump to bolt over, but it was good. I enjoyed that game and I can't wait to uh, play more of it again. Uh, if if it come, if if that update launches in a good time because <laughs> there's really there's gonna be really good times this year. Uh, Quantic Dream announced that they're publishing uh, a game named Dustborn, which is a narrative-driven action adventure game that is set in an alternate version of America. The game is described as one about hope, love, friendships, robots, and the power of words. And players will be building relationships with their crew as they travel across the country. So it's basically taking the idea of the cross-country Final Fantasy 15 and put like the Quantic Dream coat of paint 
uh, even though they're just publishing stuff, but they wanted to associate themselves with that. So the trailer's there. It not doesn't look like my like my thing. So thank goodness you're here is a new game by studio behind Untitled Goose Game. It's a weird looking thing. Just look it up. <laughs> so, I'm uh, checking it out right now, and it's it's uh it sure is a game. Yeah, it's real. It's really really weird <laughs> to say. Uh, this was probably one of the most interesting announcements of this th of, the, of the show. Little Nightmares 3 announced with a trailer about the spooky co-op adventure. The big notable thing about Little Nightmares 3 is that the creator of the first and second game is not making it. Hmm. He sold the rights to this game for Namco Bandai to make a game without him under Supermassive Games. The guys that made the Quarry uh, Until Dawn and the Dark Pictures Anthology games. Oh so, shoot! They're working on this. Yeah, they're working on that. So it's like Ooh. it was. It, it was, it, and they brought the creator in and be like, "Yeah, I just wanted to do something else." And but they love the. They still love the IP. They wanted to do something, so I let them do it. So that was like a big oh. thing. They were so. Again, that's always a slippery slope of like uh, a work continuing beyond a creator's. But if it's a creator's desire to move on, but they're okay with their work continuing on and they give the blessing, more power to mm -hmm. them. Yeah. At least, at I, least it was at like least there's no it weird was, drama. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. That we know of, at least, at least how they presented it. So fair. So, uh, black. So this game, Paul Black Myth Wukong, has been like one that has been like uh, building up steam like throughout this year. Like when, when we we're getting into like showcase, people be like, yeah, keep an eye on this yep. Black Myth Wukong game, and uh, and definitely this like an action game that definitely has some cool vibes. I'm not gonna. I'm, oh yeah. I'm, I'm not gonna. I mean, have you? Um, did you watch any of like the old demo and the showcases that they've been? No, I only, I only saw, I only saw the one that 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 they showed in this one. So. Oh, so you haven't seen like this? It's I basically don't... been all of this like uh -huh. the last year and a half at least. Yeah, it, the thing is that uh, it hasn't like popped in my mind, so it's not something that I'm like, I, I'm like, oh, yeah. actively I knew thinking of. This is going to be crazy whenever it comes out, but yeah, keep an eye on it. Yeah, uh, to remember, did they, did, did they put a date on this thing? I'm trying to look back at the trailer real quick. Probably not, nah, if yeah. I had to guess. Because they never do. It's just yeah. been kind of like in the ether. It's just, yeah, it's just been percolating. So, but what's being capable of? We'll talk about another game that's going to achieve uh, something similar. But like just that that whole concept that gets touched on a lot with the whole like Sun Wukong, Journey to the mm -hmm. West, that whole uh -huh. thing. This just looks sick and i love staff based gameplay so uh -huh. sign me up there Ooh, if uh, you love staff like play ninja gaiden and just put the staff weapon on <laughs> so, i i see that's the ninja gaiden kind of like passed me by i never ended up getting to play it and then only yeah, it, in it, hindsight it, finding out how hard it was i was uh -huh. like okay glad i didn't really touch that the thing is that it is hard but it's not impossibly hard i tell you it's, okay. it's just not so uh, and i think those three games are on game pass the the master collection i bought that collection back in 2021 i remember it was not like on sale because i had ninja gaiden sigma the original and i played the second one and the third one yeah. i played briefly uh uh but not the racers actually so it's there it, they're fun action games like if you're ever anchoring yeah. like actual solid square triangle combat instead of souls like combat uh it's in that it's in that vibe so Marvel Snap uh, showed up here also, and there was a big announcement that it's just—it's no longer just going to be in mobile. It's going to have a Steam version. So, and it came with like a really cool anime, uh, anime like trailer. So. Oh yeah, I I watched that. I was going nuts for it. I I knew 
there's no way it's going to get me to play the game but i was like gosh if they just put this kind of energy into the stuff yeah. they actually produce yeah <laughs> so then after that uh another thing announced here was the medieval fighter warhaven uh, which is, is that like a what six... it is because this yeah. cg trailer has given me nothing about what the game's actually about yeah uh, i don't think this is a trailer issue but that's the thing i was like looking and not looking when i was like doing this uh but this was this was at the at ONL and it has a September 21st, 2023 release oh, date. no, it's made by Nexon. Okay. <laughs> I know exactly so, the kind of caliber I'm going to get out of that. Yes. Uh, yeah, that's coming out on September 21st. I think that's the same day as Payday, if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, Grand Blue Fantasy Real Egg, uh, Grand Blue Fantasy Relink, uh, the action RPG that I think we, I think we saw it back at the PlayStation State uh, Showcase. Uh, got a new re uh, a new release date, uh, February first, twenty twenty four. So, hey, they put twenty twenty three here there, but no, they oh, got delayed. Yeah, because, I'm remembering yeah. this now. I remember really liking the idea mm -hmm. behind the. I combat. think we, we were, and I think I remember when we did our recap of that showcase. We were, I, I was asking you, is this like, is this supposed to be like a fighting series? Uh, and then I remember it was Blaze Blue. So yeah. Then there's Nightingale. This this game has been like shown so many times at a Jeff Keighley joint. They were recently acquired by Tencent. Uh, they announced that the early access date for this shooter, like this survival shooter, is now on February twenty second, twenty twenty four. Expeditions, a, a mud runner game. It's a driving sim game where you off road to your heart's content. This is like a. Uh, this is a game from uh, from No Runner, that's kind of like in that vibe. They yeah. announced it. Nothing more to say. Stormgate, no. the game, the game made by the former Blizzard people, that is basically StarCraft. They gave like a, a later developer update, but I don't think they gave. Uh, they released it, so it just showed up there. Crimson Desert, though, this was the game of this show. Uh, yep. Crimson Desert is one of the most insane-looking games I've seen of how much you can do within it. It just feels like this feels like the way there's more meme like personified. It's like this fantasy. This fantasy game that you can like, there's sword combat, toppling structures, bow and arrow fighting, fighting on horseback, fishing, hijacking carriages, petting dogs, like have this like weird building mechanics to float around. It's like, I remember when I told you, did you see this trailer? That's the, that was the uh, game our buddy Sebastian mentioned. It's like, this feels like an Unreal Engine Breath of the Tears of the Kingdom. And I'm like, mm -hmm. it does look like that. It's like, yeah. it's made by, uh, this is made by Pearl Abyss, which is a, uh, whatchamacallit? a south korean developer and kind of like gene part says like when south koreans do things they go hard everything yeah. they do is like they just overproduce everything <laughs> so mm -hmm. this was announced before but i think this 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 is the biggest pop this game has gotten because you see you know a bunch what? of gameplay so. i knew what i was thinking of this looks so much like black desert online but not an uh -huh. mmo because it looks like this and it plays like this uh -huh. um <laughs> It's just so dense that I could not get into it after a couple of months, but uh -huh. it's like, yeah, okay. Uh, this it, It's all tracking now. It's all coming together. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, that looked impressive, like for like kind of, because it's not the kind of game that I expect from those kind of, from that side of the world. So it's really interesting to see how much they put into this game. So Did definitely they establish this is like a single player yeah. Uh, adventure? Yeah. It's, okay. it, yeah, this is not an MMO. Good. Yeah. Good. As far as I know, yes. Yeah, so. like it screams like whenever you're not prepared for it, you're like, oh, this is so freaking cool. And then you see like five other players show up and it's a uh -huh. public event and there's a raid scene. And I'm like, no. 
What is wrong with you? It's like that other game that we recently saw that had like that. That had an MMO. Yeah, it was like an action RPG MMO thing. So, yeah, yeah, it's not this one. Again, I feel like we're. Should we call an audible now and just start worrying that there's so many games now that are starting to look way too similar in art styles? I don't know people? if it's too. I, I think we start there's worrying? a bit Should of a homogenization based yeah. on the engine stuff because. Uh, it's so easy to now make things that a lot of people are using similar assets or only making slight changes instead of having to make their own stuff from scratch. I've learned that uh, being on that other side of it where yeah. it's just too easy to make your own, uh, to not make your own stuff and just kind of use something and tweak it. Mm -hmm. But also a lot of people have learned the wrong lesson of, hey, uh, nothing else is going to sell except the stuff we know worked. Mm -hmm. because it's kind of right you do try different things all the time and they usually don't get enough publicity they're not polished yeah. enough for this kind of environment that's just too focused on that triple a game yeah um that nobody's willing to reward a good effort with uh issues you know yeah it's like there is like this industry especially from the buyers uh just general gaming audiences i feel there's like a a, a, a certain if we're talking with our buyer sebastian about this is like there are a lot of morons that they only care about like the high budget, highly produced, hyper hyper realistic thing that it was making me worry, especially that the only way to achieve that kind of level was just the high budgets that it's clearly becoming unsustainable. Many developers saying this is not sustainable. How long uh, we're taking to make these kinds of games, uh, how much money it's spent making them. And a tool like Unreal Engine 5 is giving people tools in like the lower end to make those games approximate this look. And I wonder, and I need to check to see if this is an Unreal Engine 5 game. It looks like it, if I'm perfectly honest, is like, because it feels like it's, it's. remember in the 360 era poll where not, every- I would be shocked. Yeah. But remember in the 360 era poll, Unreal Engine 3, Years of War, like how many yep. games look mm -hmm. so similar because they use that engine. They had that- I mean, just look at the and, Unreal Tournament compared to Gears uh, of War. Exactly, they're literally um, yeah. the same technology. Transformers War for Cybertron made on Unreal Engine also. Uh, Batman Arkham Asylum make on Unreal Engine 3 also. So it's like, there's so, there were so many games that if they were on Unreal Engine 3, it was like, it's gonna be like a Gears of War style, like uh, adjacent look to it. So. Mm -hmm. I feel Unreal Engine 5 could get into that trap eventually, but again, I would definitely want to check on the technology of this, but I feel like I've seen that style before. And the things, especially after after playing Atlas Fallen, visually, I feel like I've seen that game before, visually. That's why it started It started to like, uh, sending me the alarm, because I was like, hmm, is this what standard looking games will look like? I feel like I've seen this before. So again, just like something that right now where we're in the generation, I'm gonna keep a bigger eye on on, on those visual styles. Like that's one yeah. of the big reasons to me that uh, Final Fantasy 16 worked so well for me. It's like not on a real engine game. Like, I don't know, and uh, and it had a unique style to it, even though it was like more photorealistic compared to other things. But it had a style that still made it its own. So, uh, Bulletstorm Paul is getting a VR game that's coming out in December this year. Uh, Age of Empires yeah. 4, yeah, Age of Empires yeah. 4 Anniversary Edition, which came out uh, two years ago on PC and got an, and got an announcement for console this year, but with an un, undetermined, they got a shadow drop that day. So if you want to play Age of Empires 4 with your console, you can now. Uh, Killing Floor 3, Killing Floor 2 came out like uh, seven years ago, I feel like. Uh, it's It's been a while. It's been a while, actually. so they announced it. So. 
uh, the launch trailer for Armor Core 6 was showed here, which makes sense. Uh, the game's coming out in literally five hours from today, from right now, when we're recording. Uh, the last epoch uh, got a got a, like a first look trailer, which was like a strategy game. We got a new look at the Crew Motorfest, which is the Ubisoft and another version of the Ubisoft's like open world racing game that looks so much like Forza Horizon. And uh, my buddy, uh, not my buddy, my EIC Ains, he got to see the Crew Motorfest at Summer Game Fest when he went to visit. And I want to pause something real quick because I found something out. First of all, uh, Crimson Desert is not made on Unreal Engine. Okay, it's on something called uh, Black Space. But you know what engine that is and what other game Pearl Abyss has made? What? A... Black Desert Online. <laughs> I <laughs> you... hold it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you have an eye at least to see like for, for, for that aesthetic. I knew it looked familiar. Son of a I'm, gun. I, I, I'm so glad you figured really it out. I'm really happy though. Yeah. Because... People have been talking about how great that game is and how great it feels. And the only downside is that it is just chock full of crap that you don't want to deal mm -hmm. with sometimes. So to scale that back to a single player adventure game mm -hmm. might actually be truly amazing because it's the same engine that they're working on it with that they've been dialing it in for that game for like what has to be five to 10 years now. Mm -hmm. Actually, nine years it came out in 2014. Yeah, that's um, nuts. That's so, so nuts. They they have been dialing this in so long they can do whatever the frick they want with that engine. That actually is amazing. Will so, this anyway, be it, will this be like a, a Final Fantasy 16 after 14? Like same team, like moving to a different kind of non-MMO game. Sounds like it's gonna be that. I mean, it's the same dev. Uh -huh. Shoot, that's that's <laughs> so funny that you're that 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 you got those vibes and you nailed it. So kind of like I was mentioning with the Crew Motorfest, uh, my AC Ain saw this game and he says that. If you had not told him that this wasn't Forza Horizon, like if someone told him, oh, this is Forza Horizon, you would have believed it. It's that kind of game. So, yeah. uh, Fort Solis launched the launch trailer, which the funny thing is that the showcase happened when this game was out. So they were just there to be like, game's huh. out. And <laughs> they made a big deal. It's like, yeah, we made this game in two years with 10 depths, no crunch, no delays. That's, they literally wanted to say that. I was like, cool, buddy. Uh, <laughs> I have yeah. yeah. Even though it was Roger Clark who said that, which is the voice of uh, Arthur Morgan. Uh, oh, yeah. I haven't heard good things, I tell you. <laughs> At least not super positive. Honestly, uh, I've heard nothing about it once it came out, which is unfortunately uh, the way a lot of this happens. I, mm -hmm. I look, I expect it to be like free one month coming yeah. up in the next six months. We'll see. <laughs> we'll probably yeah. see it, yeah. Uh, Lords of the Fallen got an official extended story trailer. That game is like looking better and better the more I look, I, I see it. It's like sneaking the, in into yeah, it's sneaking front into to like back co op. Yeah, really, it, it, really it's like sold me. It. Yeah, it's, it really is sold me more. Genshin Impact was here. Honkai Star was here. Also, Sandless Zone Zero. Uh, those uh, those trailer just those Chinese like uh, games that Jeff Keighley has to show up because they pay the bills. They show trailers here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Payday 3 got another trailer. We didn't know what Payday 3 is. There was this game called Delta Force, Paul, that it was like very Call of Duty-esque. That was one of the first things they showed at this uh, at this thing. I think it's like a multiplayer thing, but it looked like more single player. Like definitely take a look at that trailer when you I'm, can. I'm clipping through right now, and it's 
Uh-huh. It's interesting because it's got like a futuristic, uh, a futuristic it's like vibe, in the 2030s or something. But uh-huh. the the mechanics are looking pretty solid. It's got a lot of oh shoot, so we got like battlefield vibes here. Uh-huh. That's what, that's what I'm telling you. It's oh, like it was very oh man. Uh-huh. All right, you know what? That that is such a fine. I'll do it myself. Kind uh-huh. of a game look to it. All right. Um, did they say what? <laughs> this is coming out for and when no, it was just, yeah anything? I it just remember. cuts out yeah it just cuts out I, i'm i'm gonna look for more details afterwards but i thought it had, it had like for consoles and pc but i could be wrong you can look it up as i move forward real quick with uh they showed more about homeworld 3 there was this game there was this side scroller game called mandra um mandragora that actually looked interesting yeah uh, they showed another Warhammer game. There's so many Warhammer games these days, I tell you. Uh, they showed another game called Our History Untold Official Sto- uh, Untold Official Story Trailer, and according to IGN, that was all like the big ticket items. So, mm-hmm. Crimson Desert is a big one for me, and that and I forgot and Delta and that uh, that uh, Delta Force game. Like, do you find more details about that? Well, they say uh, apparently this is a ten cent game, so I guess yeah. temper your expectations. Mm-hmm. Um. Let me pull this one up because it's not giving me a lot of detail on it. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Uh, yeah, PlayStation, Xbox, Steam, Epic yeah. Store. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but it also lists Android and Apple. So huh. that immediately drops my interest <laughs> to what is actually going to be capable in this game. Yeah. Why? Because uh, more worse is also an Apple and Android. Uh, that's fair. But that's also <laughs> like Activision money. I don't know if there's anybody that can throw that much money into a mobile game version. Tencent would be the one because Tencent is like the most, the biggest money maker, like money, like putter in the, into the industry. Is Warzone cross platform with mobile to console? Yeah. I remember that seems really bad actually, because one of the big things with mobile is that you can do an auto fire. uh, The second your crosshairs go over an enemy, it just, Grounds them. I th- yeah, I think um, it was crossplay with like the old version of Warzone that is shutting down. That okay, they maybe that's stuff. why. Because yeah. I have a feeling that is a nightmare to code if they tried to pull yeah. that up. Because you just play on mobile and you'd win so much easier. Because that was the whole deal with that. Uh-huh. Uh, I played that. It was, it was a time. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I've heard but, yeah. that that mobile version of Call of Duty is shockingly good. I don't yes. play mobile games, but it's like they actually like. And I'm glad to hear that because it's like uh, for the people that actually play it that way, at least it's a good game. It would never be the way I play it. But I remember you were playing Call of Duty Online, not Warzone. It was Call of Duty Online. Just that, oh yeah, yeah. No, uh, I, I'll clarify. That's that's what I was playing. But it's the same mechanics translated over into Warzone. That's what made me think. Like, oh, if you play something like that with all those uh, survival details, and like, I wonder how you even manage the inventory. But yeah, mm-hmm. that's what I started going off the rails there but overall uh playing mobile is a way easier process to do really well but right. i thought that you could only play people that were playing on mobile i remember here because one. that was in the modern warfare 2 showcase from last year i remember looking at it so but things may have changed i don't i don't keep a finger of the pulse on that series so but uh yeah at least with what they show with the delta force it's like the tense and connection aside is like that look cool yeah, yeah, like Battlefield, uh, Battlefield still like gotta recover. It's like yes, 2040, 2042 right now is better, but it's like who talks about it? Who plays it? That's like that's kind yeah. of where they are. So, 
But that's enough for one out, Paul. I, I tell you, I like just reading that list. I'm glad I didn't do like a reaction. It felt good just to read what was there. So there's a couple of good things that would have been on here, and I would have been like, "Oh, that's kind of cool," but it's yeah. not worth like watching it for two yeah, to three hours. Exactly, exactly. Like, I'd rather do that for Game Awards because Game Awards, at the very least, recently has been more consistent and like. And Keely at least knows that they, he got to bring the guns for that one, and he did make it. He he made a point of saying that ONL is like awkwardly placed in that it's so close to so many games releasing that it feels more like it feels better as the show for the final push for the games that you're about to play. So mm-hmm. it has that. Do I remember last year's ONL was so much better than Summer Game Fest? Summer Game Fest was bad in 2022, uh, announcement wise. ONL I thought it was slightly better. He had that everywhere game, like the release. I have a feeling there's something going on with like all of the delays leading yeah. up to a better position in the year. And then mm-hmm. now maybe we're back into the regular yeah. routine. And that's what happened, is like uh Summer Game Fest got effed by the delays. And him like hinging the show on a remake, The Last of Us Part One. So and promising uh, yeah. gameplay, and then the only thing we saw was Modern Warfare 2 and Callisto Protocol. So that's why the that's why uh, later that uh, ONL worked so much better because it reinforced release dates after like it felt so much better because we were so traumatized by delays and all of that. So ONL just played so much better that way. So and it made me more excited for games that even though they turned out mediocre, I was not feeling it because remember we saw the Gotham Knights launch trailer there and we we're like this looks like a game we want to play like. I'm getting those Arkham vibes. Remember that before the game came out? <laughs> mm-hmm. And hey, and not to be a hypocrite, if we can go back. At the time, we were enjoying Gotham Knights. In hindsight, we don't. Yeah. <laughs> so, but it was that kind of year. It was like <laughs> things just played better when you were in Famish. So, and that was double Famish on um, the games released that year and Batman content in gaming. So, uh, third story, Paul, moving on from that. PlayStation Portal Remote Play device launches later this year for $200. Story by Wesley LeBlanc from Game Informer. Earlier this summer, PlayStation revealed a dedicated handheld remote play device that puts one half of a DualSense controller on each side of an LCD screen. Which, by the way, it just looks so freaking hideous. It's so hideous. However, it stopped short of revealing its name or a price. Today, PlayStation has revealed it's called the PlayStation Portal, and it will cost $199 when it's released later this year. The PlayStation Portal Remote Player includes the features you'd expect from a DualSense controller, like adaptive triggers and haptic feedback, which, quote-unquote, people uh, Paul hates adaptive triggers. Uh, you didn't even talk about Sniper Elite 5. When you said adaptive triggers, like, oh. Oh, you're right. I knew I was forgetting <laughs> something else, yeah. but, <laughs> but ghost we already moved, Yeah, we already moved up from that. But a wedge between the two controllers' halves is an 8-inch LCD screen capable of 1080p 60fps playback. PlayStation says the device is for gamers and households where they might need to share their living room TV or simply want to play PS5 games in another room of the house. Uh, the PlayStation Portal will connect remotely to your PS5 over Wi-Fi and can play supported games installed on your console. The device includes a 3.5mm audio jack for wire audio, although the new PlayStation Pulse Elite headset and Pulse Explore earbuds will connect to it wirelessly via a new technology the company is calling PlayStation Link. You can read more about these two uh, new audio devices at the PlayStation blog. And PSVR 2 games, which require the headset and games streamed through PlayStation Plus Premium Class Streaming, are not supported, however. PlayStation Portal will launch later this year for $199.99. There's no release date yet for the device, but PlayStation says it will have more details soon on when pre-orders begin. I will say this, the price is way better than I was expecting. It's cheaper than a Vita. 
Um, because this, yes. But the thing is that functionality-wise, it has less than a Vita. Like, the yeah. only way to play this thing is if you're connected remotely to your PlayStation Five. So it's like, yeah, it's it, it's a, so you literally need a PS Five to make it work. Uh, you can't do anything Bluetooth. Your uh, uh, battery life is like three hours. It's like um, this. It's the is a time of like a DualSense Edge, which is not great. Yeah, and the DualSense it's, Edge is the Pro Controller. That launched at the can same you price. fully take it portable or and like just remote play from wherever? As you are? Yeah, as long as you have a Wi-Fi connection, and your con okay. and, and your and, and your thing it's is connected. It's not the worst thing in the world, but it's it's not even a real system. It's yeah. it's literally it's still remote requires it's, it's, another it's a remote system. Play. Play. Yeah, it's just a remote play device. I think that's what kills it for me. If it was like a full system that you could just play a weaker version of your favorite games, then win-win. Mm -hmm. But the fact that you still need to go buy a PS5, have a PS5, and yeah, it, it just doesn't compute for me. Yeah, this is Sony basically being like, we used to do uh, handheld devices. Our yeah. first one was so successful. Our second one bombed catastrophically. But there's probably a market there for that. Look at the Switch. Look at Steam Deck that I just introduced. Right? I still stand that the Steam Deck is not a successful device, relatively speaking, considering how little it sold in a year. Uh, debates for other time. But it was like, it's them being like, let's put a, a portable device, but not fully commit. And I'll say this. If something killed the Vita, it was the fact that they didn't commit. It's like they put that piece of hardware out. It yeah. was pretty nice, but they, they didn't want to commit with putting their actual studios to make games for that thing, which is the thing you need uh, to sell the, that device because they were launching PlayStation 4 soon after and they wanted them to make games for that. So it was like, at the very least, it's like for people that want like a handhold something of this thing, it's like, at least they know that every game that they buy on PS5 can potentially be put here. And I know there's a lot of people in use functionality. They don't do what you do, that you have your freaking small TV next to the big TV where your wife watches. <laughs> yeah. So this would theoretically be for you if you want to be like your wife be like, hey, let's keep watching uh, Fire Firefly Lane and cry. Like, uh, and, 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 be like, and be like, yeah, but I don't want to stop playing, but I'm going to like side eye. So right. This would like be for you. That part, it's, yeah. it's the Wii U. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah it's, it is basically the Wii U. Wii U ahead of its time. And it's interesting because they mentioned the fact that this has technology called PlayStation Link. People that demoed this thing were telling that the latency is shockingly good. Like in local. Like like, like as a local hmm. thing. So, I can't wait to hear more when this thing is actually out in the wild. Price-wise, again, kind of like I mentioned, it was like, when they announced that this was happening, I was like, this is going to be an overpriced piece of garbage. As, as I literally said that. This comes in cheaper, but there's still better options around this price. Or like for $100 more, like the uh, Sebastian's Logitech uh, Cloud G, which plays games so well. And it's like you can connect it to Game Pass and all that. It's like there's And some of these devices can even be modded to like include like you, you can put like an emulator for SNES and all of that. And like yeah. make it an actual portable. I wonder if this is hackable. I do wonder because apparently I heard that this screen is like has Android technology in it. So that alone didn't we already see somebody learning how to hack it or something? If we were saw like when we saw an image of it, and that's why we learned that it had Android like OS in it. Right. So so that's why I wonder if like it could be jailbroken and then people can actually make it a, a legit it's hell, but I, tell, I don't think there's a single piece of tech that's not jailbreakable uh, at this point. Yeah, the Vita took a while. And like it, it took them a while. Like yeah. they, 
they were scared of how easy the PSP was jailbroken because that's the irony of the PSP for Sony. It's like it's one of their, it's, it was a really well, a, a good seller. It sold like 80 million units. That's a lot of units to put out only in the market. The problem was that because it's, it, homebrew was so big on that thing, software sales, catastrophic. So many, like, and uh, they tried to clamp that down for the Vita, but they overly clamped it down and it didn't sell anything. And now it's easily hackable now, but at the point where they no longer care. So, yeah, so PlayStation Portal, it's interesting. It's like, this is a PSP. <laughs> it's interesting. Yeah. Like It's it's clear like, what they were going for by calling it a portal. R.I.P. Vita. Vita, it's like the Vita was so good. Like People sucks. owe the Vita a huge apology. Yeah. It was like, for, it's like Vita was so ahead of its time. So, so yeah. freaking ahead of its time. But the reason why we never got a new one, a dedicated one, was because both people didn't buy it and Sony didn't support it. It was a great indie machine, I tell you. Like, in that period where we, we got cross, uh, cross by, if you got, like, an indie game on PS4, you got a Vita version for free automatically. That was the best place to play those games. That's where I played Shovel Knight. It was yeah. so great playing it there. And even a game like Axiom Burge was great playing it there. This would make me actually like some of those indie games. Like if the if the latency is like as good as people say it is, playing a bunch of those like uh, pixel art indie indie games I can handle. Those are th- those fair. are the kinds of games like that. I can see like a functionality for that, but I'll definitely wait for a prize drop on that one. So and mm-hmm. I, to hear if it's actually good. Remote play worked well for me on my phone. I tell you, that's how I play a lot of Final Fantasy four and six. Turn base is great I, for remote play. I wish that I liked the idea of the hoops you have to jump through for remote play it sounds great in theory and like reality it probably there's barely any just... and the things there's barely any hoops you download the app plus connect and you start playing that's all you need i think the last time i tried to connect it wasn't working for me so i was just like i don't feel like dealing with this yeah but it's like um, it's so simple it's, it's really simple it's like you download the app you make sure that it shows like when you log in with your account that it shows mm-hmm. that your playstation is connected and you connect as long as you have good internet, it works. The big difference then is like because, for example, my brother did this once. Uh, he downloaded the remote play app for the my dad's iPad, and they enabled the dual sense to be able to be connected via Bluetooth to the iPad, and he was able to play it through remote play. Like the iPad is there with his controller. So, so you still just play it with your controller. Uh huh. Yeah. And, 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 uh huh. Exactly. So. Is that how it's supposed to be, or is he supposed that's to, a be way, able to that's, play it on? You you can also play with your phone, like with touch controls. Huh. There's man, there's many ways to do remote play. Like the backbone was another one. The backbone is hundred dollars cheaper than this, but it means you use your phone. And kind of like what Sebastian gotcha. was saying, it's like there's always like it's cool to have it in the phone, but there's always the problem because it's your phone. Your gaming time may be interrupted by a notification, a phone call, and all that. So, but there is a cheaper way to get remote play for people that want it. The backbone is there. It's just under bucks. So, hmm. remote play. I tell you, is like I became more of a believer of remote play after I played a lot of Final Fantasy four and six there. So, and I have been hearing with the latency of this one again. I want to see it. The practical use of this for two hundred right now. Again, it's a wait and see. But on a sale, and if it's good, I'll buy it because I like watching yeah. a bunch of TV stuff. But I also don't like. I, I, I hate stopping playing too. So it's weird. True. We're we're a ruined generation, Paul. We can't just focus. We need to be multitasking. We're like the last generation before yeah. it got even worse, and the people before us can just sit there with their own thoughts and do nothing for four hours. 
<clears throat> watch the Big Bang Theory reruns or something. Yeah. It's so funny. It's because of something comfortable having that, like feeling like you're you're taking by a huge by a chunk of bites of many things. Yeah. So I I know that feeling. So story number four, also staying away with Wasilla Blanket Game Informer. This is a big deal. Baldur's Gate three will launch on Xbox this year, but without split screen co op on Series S. Uh, Baldur's Gate 3 developer Larian Studios has confirmed its RPG will launch on new-gen Xbox consoles this year. However, it will be missing a multiplayer feature, split-screen co-op, on the Xbox Series S. Baldur's Gate 3 has been perhaps the biggest surprise hit of 2023. We gave it one of the highest scores of the year, they said. Although early access players have been singing the RPG's praises for a while now. It launched on PC earlier this month and is due on PlayStation 5 next month. Earlier this summer, Larian said he wants to launch Baldur's Gate 3 on Xbox this year, but might push into 2024 due to parity issues between Xbox Series X and Series S. Now, it's been confirmed by uh, the RPG will hit Xbox this year after meeting, uh, a meeting with, between Baldur's Gate 3 director Sven Vink and Xbox head Phil Spencer. Super happy to confirm that after meeting Phil Spencer yesterday, we found a solution that allows us to bring Baldur's Gate 3 to Xbox players this year still, something we've been working towards for quite some time. Vink writes on Twitter. All improvements will be there, with split-screen co-op and Series X. Series S will not feature split-screen split co-op, but will also include cross-save progression between Steam and Xbox Series. Considering just how much PC players have been enjoying Baldur's Gate 3, not to mention anticipation of PlayStation players heading into the fair run in just two weeks, Vink's announcement is a huge win for Xbox players this year. While Baldur's Gate 3 supports cross-save progression between Steam and Xbox Series X and S, and between Steam and PlayStation 5 separately, it's important to note that the game does not support cross-play. So while, uh, while people can play the game on PC, Xbox, and PS5, they won't be able to do so together. While Vink confirmed Baldur's Gate 3 will hit Xbox this year, he stopped short of an actual date for when to expect the RPG on that platform. So, the Rubicon happened. They crossed it. There, uh, Xbox launched both the Xbox Series X and S this, uh, this generation with a parity clause. The whole deal was, whatever the Xbox Series X version has, every feature is going to be on the S. Like, because theoretically, the only difference should have been resolution. The Series X is the 4K machine. The Series yeah. S is the 1440p machine. That also allows for the high frame rates. Now in practice... Saying, yeah, you can't actually uh, do yeah. these things. No, the thing is that in practice, after the first year, that reality hasn't played out for the Series S. Like, a lot of games no. that launch in that system launch at 1080p. Like, that, that that's the target. That's kind of like the target resolution. Some games launch with a performance one on Series S. Many games don't. This was the year, actually, like, when I play, when I tried Wild Hearts, because I could do the EA, EA Play kind of, like, 10-hour early access I could do, and because I, we had it because of Game Pass, I was like, I'm going to try this. That was the first year. That, that was the first game I played on Series S where I was like, Okay, so I think we're starting getting there, where it's like the resolution's kind of mudgy in my TV, the frame rate's not there. When I know like this game has like 4K resolution on Series X and can be played at 60 frames, it's like the promise is not being like fulfilled. It's been great with all the games. Like I, I would say, the Series S has worked shockingly well in a lot of the games that we played, and also because our main platform is the PlayStation, so we know where we want to play our games, most at least because we have a way to play like a high level. Uh, uh, like a version of those games, uh, I couldn't imagine us only having a Series S on the promise that it was like, oh yeah, it's a 1440p machine. Because the thing is that a lot of games that we play, Paul, like even though the games output at a 4K, it's rendered at 1440p. Upscaling 
makes it, it makes a difference like not like like just nigh on indistinguishable in my eyes that i was like i can do 1440p upscaling works well for me uh it's like it's so my like i even noticed it with my brother when he plays games on his pc connected to his tv at full 4k i was like yeah this looks nice but if i'm perfectly honest it's like it's not that much nicer than 1440p at least on the tvs that i play so that's why that's why I was like that's why I justified the series as if this is the 1440p machine yeah it's like Xbox is not my main platform as of right now so it's like but I don't want to miss on some other games and Game Pass makes it easy so that's why I got the S this was the first big snag like public PR snag the series S got like in this generation of like Baldur's Gate 3 is a massive game the best rated game one of the best rated games this year like the parity clause meant that one of the best games this year was just not going to be available over on Xbox. Because Larian, for some reason, they're like so pushing the fact that you need split screen co-op in this game. Which is so weird because split screen is like, who plays split screen? But it's like, they were adamant that that's like part of like baked into what they wanted this game to be. And the series S was just giving them trouble. But Microsoft's parity clause that if it features on the X, it has to be in the S meant that they were going to delay this version. So, it made this a de facto console PS5 exclusive, when it was never meant to be that. So, they bent the knee here. The thing is that, if they did it here, is the, does this open the floodgates now for Series S versions and developers are hitting developing snacks because uh, the Series S is just not that powerful and they're running into trouble optimizing for it. Either they're going to get the go-ahead by Microsoft to be like, hey, uh, this feature may not be able to launch here. We could patch it in later, but could we, like, could you make an exception to your parity clause? Again, it's like, I understand why Microsoft did it, because they want people, they wanted people to buy the Series S. I mean, that's how they got us. But now it's like, there's, now there's going to be the things like, could we reach a point later this generation where the Series S version is just nigh on, like, super inferior to the X version? Mm. It's interesting, but as of right now, I would say, good that they were able to bend the knee on this one. Baldur's Gate 3 is just, no one would shut up about it for like a month. Obviously, we're finally getting people getting into the late game, and we're hearing some, yeah, maybe not be as perfect as it is, but it's like, it still feels like a game that shocked the world this year. (laughs) Yeah, It, it was definitely the big surprise that nobody expected. Yeah, even more than Elden Ring last year. People knew people were going to enjoy Elden Ring and they just oh, was yeah. even bigger. But I feel this was an even bigger surprise than that. And just to kind of follow up as an addendum to that story, our, our fifth story, now moving over to BGC's Tom Ivan. Phil Spencer doesn't see a world where Xbox Series S has to miss out on some games. Uh, it's currently a mandatory requirement for developers to ensure that their games are compatible with both Xbox Series X and S- Series S in order to release them for Microsoft's console, kind of like I was saying. Some developers have argued that having to cater to Microsoft's entry-level console is limiting the potential of current-gen games. And the Xbox release of one of this year's most high-profile titles, Baldur's Gate 3, is currently being held up by technical issues encountered by developer Larian Studios, which has so far been unable to get its split-screen co-op mode to run uh, on an acceptable uh, level on Series S. On S specifically, we designed the box with similarities to X and clear sp- uh, places where we're targeting a different performance, Spencer told Eurogamer on Wednesday. And we're taking feedback from devs including Larian. I met with them today to talk about it and I'm confident we're going to find a good solution and we're going to learn. 
I don't see a world where we drop ass. In terms of parody, I don't think you've heard from us or Layerin that this was about parody. I think that's more that the community is talking about it. There are features that ship on X today that do not ship on S, even from our own games. Like ray tracing that works in X, it's not on S in certain games. For an S customer, we spend roughly half of uh, half what the X customer bought. They understand that it's not going to run the same way. I want to make sure games are available on both. That's our job as a platform holder, and we're committed to that with our partners. And I think we're going to get there with Larian. So I'm not overly worried about that, but we've learned some stuff through it. Having an entry-level price point for consoles up to 300 is a good thing for the industry. I think it's important. The Switch has been able to do that in terms of in terms of kind of the traditional plug into my television consoles. I think it's important, so we're committed. Phil Spencer doing the PR talk, but hey, at least they're publicly committing. I mean, like, yes. I think the the parody clause is gonna soften. Uh, is this like the commitment where he's like, "Yeah, we're not gonna raise the prices on our games." Not yet. They did. They did say not yet. They did cut it. Yeah, the, not yeah. yet. But mm-hmm. I mean, I I don't know. Talk is cheap to me. Yeah. Um. This guy. All of everybody. No matter what console <laughs> they're with, or if they're PC yeah. or whatever it is, they'll say whatever they want. Um, because they don't care about being mistaken about something, or even if they know the other reality and they're just like trying to buy time. In this specific situation, I believe him. I think it's just like a small issue that they're going to yeah. get over eventually. They're working on it. They just didn't have enough time to knock it yeah. out 100%. He did make a good point. There are games and says and us that don't launch with ray tracing, and yeah. they launched with X, so they had already been like some like parody discrepancies that were logical were not going to be there because like ray tracing requires a lot of hardware power yeah. that the S doesn't have so and I think he at least made a mention that at least I think they're going to be a little bit more flexible because they do have a commitment to release every freaking game this generation on both systems like that's the bag that they chose and they got to commit to it and that's a good commitment that's good for me because at least now we know that at least if the Head of Xbox is saying that at least when it comes to their exclusives, we're always going to get those. So, at least yeah. it's I, I'm, good, good I am for glad Xbox that games. he's at least saying yeah. these things where he's like, hey, we're committing to not dropping the S mm-hmm. like, no matter what it is. Like, I'm glad they're attempting to, even if it doesn't look as good, I'm fine with that as long as it can play the games. Because, exactly. like he said, it's so important to have an under $300 option mm-hmm. for people. To do gaming it can't be that's a how they got us item. that's how they got us exactly remember yeah. how how cheap was the earth fall 229 i think it was 250 uh, 250 but I th- yeah I, 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 still like that's how you got it so it's like right. a full ass <laughs> console that does backwards compatibility really great more than our main console has game pass that's what we're yeah. gonna experience starfield it's like it's like that it's i i'm glad that they went that way even if it comes with the, some of the sacrifices, but it's important. Like Sony didn't want that way, so, and that's gonna be like a benefit and a detriment. Like, uh, if the tables had turned, like if, imagine if the Xbox had been the actual bestseller this generation instead of PlayStation. Like PlayStation would have been forced to do that entry level thing to try evil thing even things out. As far as I understand, why he is also saying this, the split between S buyers and X buyers is like 60-40. If not 70 30. Yeah. Like, so. And they're even saying that uh, they even see the X as already their mid gen refresh. So they're not even going to consider like a pro model, like what they want with the Xbox One X. And I also do believe them in that way because 
if you remember, Paul, the Xbox Series X is more powerful in numbers than the PS5. Like, in spreadsheets. Yeah. Remember, yeah, that was remember. Like, the big thing. The thing is that Sony was smart with how they engineered the the PS5, that, it, that developers are able to tap into power that the numbers in, suggested was not there. And it's making their games look just as good on Series X and perform better, which is so ironic. There are a few exceptions where the Xbox Series X version actually looks better and runs better, but it's like minuscule because they know that it's like the system that's not proliferated and the, and the PlayStation 5, everyone that buys a PlayStation 5, whether it's the digital version or the disc version, is the PlayStation 5. So at least from the development side, it's like so much easier for them. They're just coding for one. So, but hey, at least uh, I'm glad that some consternation for the Xbox community got like a swage because I tell you, it's like so many people were like FDS. If DS is the reason we're not getting Baldur's Gate 3, while the PlayStation fans get to flaunt it as an exclusive that is not even theirs, it's like, yeah. at least they bent the knee. Like, I mean, Phil Spencer, love it or hate him, it's like he's making big moves. He finally getting Final Fantasy 14 after 10 years of people asking over in the Xbox side if they're bringing that game. Jeez. <laughs> finally happens. So. When he says he commits, I tell you, it's like he may have corporate speak, but eventually he gets the job done. As late as it can be, and... At least it's something. It's like at least it's a book. Oh, it's a book. I, I like him better than freaking Jim Ryan. I tell you. So. Oh yeah. No. I, there's no question. In my <laughs> Not in question. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the end of the news, Paul. Read us the release no. dates for uh, August, August 27th to September 2nd. Huh. We have goodbye volcano high on the playstation 5 playstation 4 and pc on august 29th finally the scaly Som- game is finally, game finally comes out <laughs> samba de amigo party central on the switch on august 29th sea of stars finally coming out on uh, playstation 5 xbox series x and s playstation 4 xbox one switch and pc on august 29th also yeah. on PlayStation Extra and Game Pass. Yeah. So you have no excuse not to yeah. play this game. So at least try something it. Else. Yeah. I'll, and <laughs> yeah. At try least it. try it. Uh, Under the Waves, the creepy horror underwater yeah. mm. submarine thing. Uh, PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X and S, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC on August 29th. My goodness, the week after this just continues to not give up at no. all. No. Uh, Somerville getting its PlayStation 5 and PlayStation 4 version on August 31st. That came out on Xbox. um, From last November. Trine 5. uh, Insane that there's five of those. I I could not tell you what Trine even looks like. It's like a side scroller. Yeah, it's like a side scroller. I played it on PlayStation 4 through one of the free games from PS Plus. You never hear people talk about it either. Yeah. But they got five games, so it's like they're making enough money to make more. The Fast and Furious of the video game world. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X and S, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC on August 31st. Yeah. And there's nothing for the first two days of September. Actually, there is. Is there? Because I looked it up and... Oh, well, yeah, okay. Starfield for September yeah, for 1st. Yeah, September 1st, yeah. <laughs> the early access. Yeah, because um, it officially releases on the 6th, but if you pay $45 right. extra, like, if you're a, a Game Pass subscriber, you can start playing it on the 1st. The reviews Which will is, determine, Paul. Yeah, Those reviews will determine if... I'm very it's a game tempted that, if yeah. if it gets to be, like, really... If, if I'm not enjoying Armored Core 6 as much as I'm hoping I will, and... 
the reviews are enough to give mm -hmm. me that desire i'll be like just drop the money do it um but if i'm like really enjoying armored core 6 and just replaying it or whatever then it's like i don't know i feel like i've got what i need <laughs> it's again, it's really going to determine that well no in a week in a week those re yep. the, the review impressions and reviews are going to start dropping so they gave them two weeks for that game that's usually a good sign so i'm hoping for the best for that one uh mm. Wiggle, goodbye, Volcano High, the scaly game finally releasing Napoli. Only Little Devil Inside is the game that the last game from that 2020 June Gone. PlayStation <laughs> Show. That's the thing is that that's the last game from the June 2020 PlayStation Showcase to have not come out still. A lot of those games that they announced in that showcase are finally out. Yeah. Including including the September 2020 showcase. It's so funny. Uh, one of my favorite moments of this year was when Sebastian learned about the term of scaly. <laughs> Hmm. because i call it furry game and then you're like no it's actually yeah. scaly it's technically <laughs> yeah so i think it's kind oh, of, i think it's gonna be bad but i can't wait for it to hear what people i mean I hope it's gonna them... be exactly what i think that crowd wants which yeah. is like a really in-depth like coming of age and visual novel style game which is just not my flow at all but power mm -hmm. to everybody who likes that kind of stuff yeah but other than that like uh since we're going to be playing armor core before like, some of these games like sea of stars is definitely one that oh, a yeah. guy from a, a, a guy from sg is like really singing its praises like really singing its praises and me i feel like i'm finally primed to really give it a go because... you are exactly in the right spot you need to be after playing through all of like what inspired these kind of games uh -huh um it still kills me that you never really were able to give uh chained echoes a shot back in the day but i haven't like, installed that's just yeah, so funny i, I haven't installed it. yeah but so, it's not a game that you want to like just throw yourself into without really committing to it because uh -huh. exactly. i kind of hit that wall as well the thing is like but... JR turn-based jrpgs are games that you, you when you start them you're like i am going to commit to this i finally learned yeah. that and i finally I finally really realized that and the games also have to be really compelling. I tell you, it's like Final Fantasy 1, 4, and 6 doing all those three, which was they really compelled me from the go, like to, to really give it give, give, give it my all. And also, knowing that they were short helped. I think Sea of Stars is also short, so I have no it? idea on that. Yeah, one. but but I've just been hearing so such good things, it looks so good. I'm definitely gonna try it, absolutely gonna try it. So, no pain all on right. trying it. So, true that. that and that ends this week's episode, Paul. Second to last from, from August. Tell me, where can people find you? As always, y'all can find me at Dorkovard on Twitter. I post things sometimes and yeah. nothing Way less. <laughs> yeah, way, way less around, uh, like these days. Uh, yeah. You can find me at Twitter slash X at A underscore George Segovia. You can find me at Threads and Instagram at Alejandro Segovia 93. And my current written content at uh, SeasonGaming.com and all written content at thecriticalcorner.com. So we want to thank you so much for listening. If you like this episode, definitely give us a review in your platform of listening of choice. Uh, YouTube just exists there. Uh, it will just exist. Uh, I'm liking where audio is going. I tell you, like, for, for sure. At, le at least that's where our audience currently is. But we'll definitely keep serving both. And definitely go watch our reacts if you can for the, for the Destiny thing. And... Play some games, enjoy Armor Court if you're getting it tomorrow. Still also get some exercise, touch some grass, and press X to play. Good night, everybody. Hasta la vista, baby.